that's a lot. If you're spending three fifty on those, you've taken a blow to the head. Like, wow, that no. I, I was like too late to start recording this, so we missed the entire rant. So we just got the boot to the head. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> We're talking about really bad shoes that are out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been we've been blessed recently. Yeah, guys, guys, this is a big one. This is episode fifty. This is episode fifty. This is episode, 50. and that makes sense. No, no, no I, I Purvis. didn't even realize the, the the weeks have been going by very quickly. Purvis, I have a question for you. Right? Okay. When I called you half drunk at the airport coming back from Miami about a year ago, and we decided to do this, did you think we yes. could do fifty episodes? <laughs> it, I, like I said, it's been. Some very, very fast. Essentially, it's been a year. We're two weeks away. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been yeah, a year no, this is mind missed, blowing. We missed uh, two weeks. Remember okay. We took that yeah. break for then, Kendrick, and then we that did, is so true. we're going up on the year anniversary. Wow. No, yeah. It, yeah. It, like you said, last year, I would not expect to be or expected to be in this position, but I feel like that's been our entire friendship <laughs> from yeah. day one. It's just like, okay, we found each other at the apartment. <laughs> Didn't expect to gain a long-term friend. So uh, here we are. It's been a blast, and now we have Jasper here. Yeah, we're growing. We've we've evolved into a three-man weave. You know, we this are, is a lot of fun. We're doing it. So, like, yeah, it's a well, fun episode. So we have a real. That's why we have such a almost like a game. We're almost playing a game this episode. I will say, Jasper, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Idea. when we when we phenomenal get, idea. When we get past the news, we'll have Jasper introduce it. We're calling it the Blitz. Oh, just like live spitballing. Welcome to the writers' room. Uh, I definitely think we could do this again. Like, oh, for I think, sure. Yeah, this, this will be a series. I've already decided. Yeah, because like this is we did like albums, which I think was a great starting point because we're a very album focused podcast. But, like, for example, I wanted to put, like, some house music on, but house music isn't really, like, an album's job. Yeah, I, I, was, I was coming up against that when I was trying to do a lot of electronic yeah. I did. Yeah, stuff. like, I didn't have any issues. Like, I was very happy with, like, the route we, I went, like, with my choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, like, I definitely bumped up, like, oh, like, certain, I don't know. Like, Pop Punk is another one where I think, like, yeah, there are great albums in that, but, like, it's kind of like a, more of a, I'm going to share a playlist kind of thing. Like, Facts. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we could do yeah. it for genres, we could do it for artists, we could do it for, uh... We could do it for literally anything. Anything. So, we, I've, <laughs> Any category. This was, this was a blast to prepare for. So, yeah, this this is going to be a long one. I was like, yeah. yeah. I was I was actually about to say, you know it's going to be a good episode when, like, it, it's the week building up to it, and we've already discussed the topic, and, like, each one of us individually are throwing in a group chat just like, this is fun. <laughs> this is yeah, nice. Or, yeah. like, a random just like, oh, don't do this album. Do this album. And it's just like, yeah, okay, we, now i got to get in my bag. It's just like it's a developing little, thing. Shockingly little <laughs> of that. I was very happy with, like, mm-hmm. The because something I was worried is like, are we just gonna talk about things we always talk about? Which like I know I indulged myself at least one time, and it was like, oh, yeah. uh, but I thought we covered great ground, so I think we're gonna have a great show. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the last round. Yeah, it's just not the last round is gonna be the best one. Like, some different, some different, a little some very, spice, very <laughs> different, very different. And 
I I genuinely am kind of in I'm kind of in awe, but also it is kind of obvious that we all went there. Mm-hmm. But we all did it differently very, enough. Di- very different, different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very different. So ways. I mean, yeah. Okay. It'll be a a lot of fun on this episode, and like to be honest, this. This was a perfect route for this week because there's not a lot of actual news to discuss. No, there's not because we're um, doing this on Wednesday. We usually record. Right. On, we usually record about 14 hours before you guys see it. Uh, mm-hmm. I very fast turnaround. I've got a going away party tomorrow, so it's like you're not gonna be sober. No, no I'm not. <laughs> that might have made for good good editing. Honestly, tomorrow, like too. if there was ever an episode that I was like. We should all have like three drinks. It's like this one, because like usually we like to be We're a turning little, into drink champs <laughs> a little bit. Like we usually like to be pretty sharp because we, you know, we're more. I think we're kind of more thoughtful criticism. If I'm being pretentious, but like oh yeah, not and not just fan, not just fanboying out though. Like, yeah, like I think we like yeah, I think we kind of hit a fun balance, you know, like yeah, uh, between like the fan space and like the critic space. Mm-hmm. Uh, bunch of music nerds. That's exactly it, you know. It's little news. Now, speaking <laughs> of which, let's talk about the news. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not a lot to actually cover. Everything I found is rumors. Yeah. Um. Now this could change. Apparent, yeah, it, it could change. By all means. Yeah. Um. Little Uzi Vert is rumored to finally drop the pink, pink tape. tape. It's got to be coming um, eventually, right? Like, there's no. It, it has to be. Please. Like, He's been discussing this for months now. Um, it, we it, haven't gotten Uzi in almost three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I mean, almost, we get that EP, but again, it, that for an album, for a full album, right. it's been almost three years. It's it's kind of the only thing on my radar right now. What's weird is that it feels longer. But twenty twenty. Yeah. No, it does. Just because, like, twenty twenty. I felt just like, feel like it's been longer. Twenty 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 felt like a trilogy of years. Like between like that that is true that like, that is very true. March twenty twenty to December twenty twenty felt like three years to me, like and, like a time space that doesn't actually yeah. exist. Because I know I have we bring it up all the time, but like after hours came out like the month later. I have that same thing where it feels like it's been out for like five six years, but like, no, it, it really hasn't. hasn't. Yeah. Right, and to be fair, after hours easily going to be a classic. Oh yeah, those things last That's, forever. That I. So uh, that that is my I am breaking my rule and before the five year mark I I think after hours is a class. okay no that's fine that's fine. yeah I you, think you don't do it often yeah I don't do it often you don't break the I rule think, I think after hours <laughs> right and I'm not saying it about Don FM I'm not saying it about Starboy I appreciate that I do right because <laughs> right. after hours is significantly better in my opinion yeah you know like um I might say about House of Balloons but like. That's fair. It's been I over five years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's over it's five been years. Well over, well over five yeah, years. And deservingly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, that's supposed to be coming out. Um, moving on from that, to be honest, there's nothing else, really. Yeah. Uh, I know Brandon doesn't want me to discuss this. But... Shut the fuck up. I'm going to fucking waterboard you. <laughs> 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 Nav 2 is coming out with a... Or Nav is coming out with Nav 2, the sequel to his first album. Um... Unfortunately, a lot of people say it's best out. I just want to get off. But anywho, I just want to get out of the Nav Cinematic Universe. <laughs> it's not, not the MCU, <laughs> right? Not the end of the Navaverse. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, 
he he is Thanos and he's just taking over. So you can you can hate him if you want. Drop the music. We don't do that here. Nav is very clearly the Ant Man of rap. Like, oh, this got to be worse than that, man. <laughs> Why would you say something so controversial? No, there's worse. There's there's worse than Nav. So I appreciate like, that. No, there's there's, there's worse than that, man. Once there again, like Nav, yeah. I would once again like, and I I put this in the group chat and I stand by this. I would rather. Spend a weekend camping on the Ukrainian-Russian border, then listen to this album. I was say the only thing that I'm excited for with a nav drop is the ensuing Fantano video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, I will say, but I will say this: I would if if Nav and like Hobson dropped at the same time, Nav every time, hundred times out of a hundred, <laughs> ten out of ten, ten times, ten, ti- ten out of ten times. I'm picking Valid. Nav. Like so, there's worse. He's bad, but there's worse. But but Brandon, remember, there's you're worse. worth it. oh my god come to this unmarked location and do not bring weapons (laughs) you're worth it (laughs) but anyway how do you feel Brandon (laughs) I want out (laughs) we only have one I believe a single I don't know how official this is in terms of it actually being released yeah Um, it was like tease I believe right yeah, it was like a little music video to it. Uh, Smino dropped Smee, Myself, and I. Very creative, very dope sounding. I don't think this is actually leading to anything. Maybe yeah. just something he had in the drafts, but yeah. still dope. I would ch- check it out. Yeah, there's always... But again, it's... There's always... Sorry, not always, but there's a lot of times, like, after an album, like, you get, like, a few B-sides just released after. I was going to say, there's been no deluxe, so... Yeah. Here we are. But that was good um, it doesn't need a deluxe. It does not. That, yeah, that was fucking perfect. It's perfect. Perfection. Um, but that's it. That, that's literally it. That, that's all the actual releases that we found so far. Again, it's early in the week, and it's been a very quiet week. But we have two major events that just passed. Um, the first one I want to cover lightly, but that's the Rock Nation brunch that just yeah. passed. Um I just think it's really dope. I, I really do. It's a really cool event, and you see all the stars coming together. It's very interesting the connections you see in Hollywood. I don't. I don't know why. I'm not a movie person, so I don't know where I get this from. But like finding different artists or finding different actors and how they affiliate themselves with other people in the industry, it's it's always cool finding a new connection. So, in my opinion, it was a really dope event that happened i don't know what they're really celebrating for if they do this annually but you see people like rdc world who's just like a instagram comedian sitting next to little uzi vert i just think it's a really dope like idea and it's black history month a lot of black people come together so yeah it's another really cool thing (laughs) yeah like um yeah this is rock nation brunch has been a thing for a while i remember seeing things about this like back pre-pandemic and i think it was like 2018 i saw this really great meme about it where it was like some girl filming her boyfriend who had like a suitcase and was done up in like a really nice suit and like an orange shirt with like a black top top and everything black jacket and he looks really upset and she's like what's wrong he's like i didn't get my invite to the brunch it's just like some guy but he's like dressed up real nice he's got a suitcase like he's actually ready to do go. remember that now yeah now that you that like say that i remember that something that shit was jesus fun. christ i actually yeah. do remember that yeah so yeah just, that, now that you mentioned that the brunch has been around for years so yeah, I maybe guess it I've just, just hasn't, been 
I feel like it hasn't happened with with you know the pandemic and everything, just because I didn't see any that is true about it at all for the last couple of years at all. And then this year, yeah. it's just like boom, it's everywhere again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like it's kind of a cool thing. I mean, like I don't care about what rich people do. <laughs> it's like I, look, this is listen. It's it, so it's many some, famous people there that you yeah, actually no, care no. about, though. Yeah, sure, one hundred percent. And like, look, it's not something I think is like bad or it's like, hey, that's cool. It's like I don't. It's like, okay, like I'm sure it'd be great to go to. Like, if someone invited me, I'd be like, "Shit, yeah, I'll go get a tuxedo." And that's literally like the meme, which you have like ten thousand dollars or eat brunch with Jay Z. It's just like, give me the ten thousand dollars, bro. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it half a meal or or dinner with Jay Z? Isn't that the meme? It's something like that. Everyone's like, regardless what the money is, unless it's like. Under a thousand, uh, I'm probably uh, taking the money. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like Jay Z's cool, but it's like Jay Z's cool. I have a but, question, but half a mil pays the mortgage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Half a mil does pay the mortgage. Half a mil covers exactly. my student loans. There's facts. But <laughs> say it does more than pay the mortgage. It, it yeah, does a lot of yeah. I actually have a question. Loan, what, what do you want? <laughs> it's a hypothetical, and it came up this week, and you have to answer it because I'm Here curious what both your answers are. Okay. Here we go. If someone walks up to you in a public area and discreetly gives you a bag of money and says you can have the money, but don't ask any questions, what is the max amount you're taking? And, Wait, and the, just for example, the max like, amount or the min amount? The max amount you are taking, but you can't ask any questions. I'm taking as, as, That's the only rule. I, I, I don't know. Like. I'm just saying, think, think about it. It though, depends on the this context. Is one of the hypotheticals you right? Like, with. it depends yeah. on the context, right? Like, is, is this a guy in overalls with bloody gloves on? Probably not <laughs> going to take the bag at all. Is it a cat burglar? Probably taking it. Bro, right? like, imagine you're in Jewel and I turn into the owl and I, like, I'm about to hand you a bag of money. What is no, the take, max amount you would take? I, literally anything. Like,. Infinite amount. Yeah, 100%. I feel like anything above like 10K or like 5K maybe, I feel like it's dirty money. I, I wouldn't even take it at no, that. No, it's, well, there's so much dirty money. Like, let me the have problem, some. Like, Purvis, you and I both know working at Brown Bank that any transaction over 10K immediately gets flagged for suspicious review. So, this is true. There is a, there is a downside in that. You Jazz, cannot... I don't think you know how prepared I am to live off the grid. I don't think you No, I'm sure you <laughs> I'm sure you are, but I'm sure you are. But it's one of those things where there's just like logistical challenges with the sure. like, oh, yeah, kind of money like that. Look, I gotta launder this shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like right. I'm gonna make it work. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing, I'm like, going off the grid. I'm taking all the money. <laughs> Dude, take every take all you can, give nothing back. Like <laughs> okay, Jack's bro. Come on. To the man, to the man, right? Like I'll I'll like donate some to charity. Like I'll do hella mutual aid. But I'm thinking however money how much money is in that bag. <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe I, if it was I mean, like ten billion dollars and I would become like a supremely It's like what's really going on here? Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. okay. Like, to be honest, like one of my favorite movies is No Country for Old Men. Yeah. So just with that in mind, mm-hmm. it would be hard for me to take any money like that. Like anything over a grand is like sus. <laughs> so what what happens in the movie? For me, who do not watch movies. <laughs> so to break it down in a way that is not 
ruining the movie in case you ever choose to watch it. Very um, good. I haven't seen it in like nine years. Though. Josh Brolin is just a normal dude living in West Texas. He's out hunting deer one day and he comes across the remains of a Mexican standoff. And he like investigates. He finds a bunch of dead guys and, you know, just like footsteps leading away. And he follows the footsteps. He finds a dead guy under a tree. And he opens up the little black satchel that's with him and finds $50,000. And this is 1981. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And he basically is opportunistic and takes it. And then things lead to other things. The money is tracked. Turns out the cartel is looking for the money, as are the hitmen hired by the buyer of a bunch of cocaine. So... He gets himself uh, just a normal civilian gets caught in like this insane drug war gang event emerging, you know, on the frontier of Texas and Mexico right at the time when the drug war really starts to heat up and he goes through it. <laughs> so, yeah, there's you can a, only there, imagine. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to it. And it's just there's also we, we were just talking about it. There's a little reference to this in Grand Theft Auto five. Um, there's a scene where you stumble onto like a Mexican standoff. You find a briefcase oh, with a yeah. bunch of money in it, and then when you leave, a bunch of dudes in trucks try to run you off the road. That is a direct Easter egg referencing this yeah, movie and this book. Man. What a great yeah. game! What one of my favorite game. books. One yeah. of my favorite movies for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go find this. Yeah, McCarthy's. I've got. Oh, they're in the other room. I have like a whole set of his books on my bookshelf in the front yeah. room because. Yeah, he's. My, He's an author I gotta dive into. I read The Road, but that's it. The Road is good, but very different pacing from this. Yeah. Yeah, super solid. Uh, all right, so um, shall we move on to the thing that I don't care about and shouldn't exist? Um, <laughs> you can't have that take. That's not allowed. As, as you read a podcast now, you have to accept some things. I don't have to accept like what sh- the world should be. I accept that the world is. Isn't it the other way around? And it's no. literally a part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, because you, you, you don't have to accept the world as it is, but you want it to be the way you think it should be, which would be without... But I, what I mean by that is like, yeah, I'll engage with reality, but like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Grammys are a valuable thing that they have a right to exist. <laughs> And that brings us to the Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're not wrong. You have to say it. <laughs> right. Again, like, why would like you say rock, something so controversial? Like rock just like, you're rock, not wrong. Oh, right. Like, that's, that sounds like a fun time for the people involved. Right? Like, that has a right to exist. Right? This, it's just like, let's just give some rich people some awards. And usually the wrong rich people. Like Agreed. Well, I, I will say you, yeah, you're not this, wrong at all. But this, this was a good year. Yeah, no, there was some there was some nice wins, and look, there is something to be said about like, do you really, you know, like, do you really get so mad when like an award show makes the right call? It's like, no, you can't really. I'm I'm actually curious if e- either one of you know because I, I feel like I do this every year. Even before he's running the podcast, we would have to talk about this every year. I forget that the Grammys has like 50 categories. So oh, it's like yeah, an it's absurd amount. It's spread out over is multiple it, days for that uh, reason. Is it just as bad in other categories? Or is it just rap that always gets fucked over? It's a lot of things. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't follow the Grammys too close. So, so let me put something into perspective. <laughs> 
Let me put something in perspective on you, for you because I was reading about this today. Okay. Over the history of the Grammys, only 11 black artists have won album of the year. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's broken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So any, it seems that any media that is judged that is non-white tends to get the short end of the stick. And yeah. I feel like I... We, we see that pretty much over and over again. Sometimes yeah. certain people come out and dominate, and that's great for their respective niche categories. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot wrong with it, and I think artists have been calling out calling that out for a long time, and it doesn't seem like a whole lot's been done about it. So, yeah. I was going to say the article that you showed me at work is actually proof of this. Um, the first category that I threw on here was Album of the Year, which is the biggest title I would say out of the Grammys, yeah. and it was given to Harry Styles, and in his speech, I think he meant well. It was just very poor. Word choice. Yeah, you say not a, a lot of taste. people like me. Yeah, he, well, was, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Uh, he didn't clarify what that was in reference to, so it left everybody hanging. Exactly. I I personally think it might have been related to his sexuality. That hasn't been confirmed. It's possible, but it's one of those things where we're, we're not going to necessarily know unless he's already said something about it that I haven't seen. But yeah, yeah just true. Just really, and at least not, from what I know from his character, he would. Yeah, not Sorry. well not well executed is just like the I think the takeaway. You know, here here's the thing, and like I saw some takes about this I thought was interesting. Because like there is like an interesting dichotomy between like Harry Styles' album and Beyonce's album in how they are both made by art artists embracing like queer culture, kind of in a way. And like I don't know, man. It, Harry just seems very appropriative to me. It just came gives me a bad taste in my mouth, you know? Yeah, and that's, and like, that's something to be discussed, for sure. I, it's like, whenever, like, say what you will, like, he he's more than welcome to keep his sexuality to himself, but it's not like it's out there and open, you know? So it's not, I, yeah. So I, and look, that's absolutely his right, and, like, that should be respected, but a part of that is that you don't get to use that kind of liberatory language because you're... There's a thing called privilege. <laughs> yeah, because you're dominant. Uh, because the thing that you you are like present, like presenting at is just simply as a white male. And it's like, that is the most privileged group in society. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. You know? And it's like... So, I mean, especially look at look at British society. Yeah, you know, especially a, there. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, even, even more so yeah, in a different somehow. way, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean <laughs> this is this is the kind of thing that continues to happen. It's to me this is the equivalent of like I don't even know what a good equivalent is aside from like maybe like La La Land getting nominated for best picture let alone the whole mishap when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's just like an industry that self-perpetuates and self-aggrandizes in a way where they are deliberately trying to draw the focus or draw media attention to themselves. And I can't think of anything better for that this year than Harry's house, which to me is just blatantly, you know, ultra commercial. Very and generic. Like Yeah, just like the most corporate possible music that could be considered pop, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I I, I didn't Is think it him was... and Taylor Swift? Are those it, the two then? Yeah. I mean that would be my that would be my take for sure. I think Taylor has some good albums. Like Taylor has some albums I respect. I don't know. If yeah. I mean, yes, I, I agree. But the production of Taylor's later work, 
I Midnight. think really is extremely like geared toward that like very like super produced yeah. like Hollywood level like big industry like that her, kind of thing. Her more pop albums definitely like Midnight's yeah. the one that just came out. One hundred percent agrees. I mm-hmm. think like her more folky stuff that she did like the last couple of times around. That stuff I thought was actually very tastefully. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't listen regularly, but from what I've heard, it's I, I feel similarly. I give it it's a the, listen. It's the more, like, it's the stuff that leans into pop more. That's just really kind of egregious. I, I definitely agree. I, I definitely. Agree I, I, I haven't heard a single, entire Taylor Swift song in my life. Even the moment Kendrick Lamar. Didn't even know there was one existing. I hope you're lying. No, I'm not. Please tell me you're lying. Why would they have a song together, Brandon? Tell me you're lying. I oh, saw bad blood. I saw I saw another good meme about this where it's like for someone it's amazing that Taylor Swift wrote a song called Shake It Off for someone who has never done that once in their entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, too real. <laughs> they made a song in 2015. Yeah. This has hundred and twenty one million plays. It's yeah. Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar. What were you expecting? Yeah. Don't tell me it's a good song, please, because I don't want to even play it. Not a bad song. Good song. God damn it. You know, it's you know a what it is? I actually think the album that song is from is actually pretty good. Like, I, 1989, that, song's, that album's pretty good. You know what is a bad song featuring Kendrick Lamar? What? Uh, it's a, it's step, a large buddy. take. Like, large take without it. Even hearing it, but I'm willing to hear it. <laughs> it's not. This is not a large take. It's the greatest by Sia, featuring Kendrick. Oh, okay. Bad song. Okay. Bad okay. song. Yeah. Bad artist. Okay. We do yeah. not stand. Okay. Yeah, I've never really cared. I get that. Sia. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say okay. I get that. Never mind. Let's yeah. get back. For, for all of our, for all <laughs> of take. our, good take. For all of our audience out there, a little bit of reading homework. Go read about the movie Music, and what happened with that. The yeah, movie really bad. Music. It's not good. It's not good. I it's don't don't, don't do it during the podcast. It'll We're not gonna. We, we don't have to dive into that. Just do uh, yourself a favor. Be informed. <laughs> Just about you know the general landscape of things. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, book. Taylor Swift won Best Music Video for what I do not know. Uh, Over the Heart Part Five. I can't. I can't believe that Heart Part Five won Best Rap Performance, but not Best Video. Yeah. That doesn't make any insane. sense to me. That was. It makes no logical sense. At it all. makes no sense. Yeah. I Heart Part Five Has... is a pitch perfect music video. I'm happy it won Best Song, like Best Rap Song. Yeah. It did. We're in. Yeah. Rap I'm happy like as it... a song, I got credit, but it... like. It's video. just not right. It's you know okay, and like with deep fake being like such a thing that everyone can't stop talking about, probably for good reason. Like you would think, like it. It seems like the culturally conscious choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, you would think. I think. I mean, yeah, it's it's such a weird spot to be in because I feel like at the end of the day. A lot of times it feels like people who judge these fundamentally don't understand the angle a lot of music they are judging comes from. And for that reason, you see stuff like this where people get snubbed because there's just a lack of a lack of critic understanding. And, but that, that's my take. I don't know how true that is, but that's what it feels like when this happens over and over and over again, like my entire teenage yeah. and adult life. So, you know. Yeah, you know, I... I 
See, I wonder, because on one end, like, I know the Grammy, like, the people who vote on the Grammys, I know it's, like, even smaller of a representative body than the Academy, of the Academy Awards, even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, and also, marketing companies have, like, an outsized, like, representation behind the scenes at the Grammys, so it definitely feels to me like, this is very performative, it feels to me like watching commercials for three hours like, yeah i agree i mean and i literally make commercials for a living like it's it, it i feel like it becomes a question right of what does the award really represent yeah because they've made it clear that it's not about what is critically the best album or the best music being made that year at least not in every category a lot of times it's a fashion show or a popularity contest yeah where and it's not even with popularity with individuals. It's popularity within the industry is what it feels like. It's yeah. kind of like that good old boys club kind of thing. Because we want to go by popularity by, you know, the numbers. But I don't think these should have won album of the year. No question. In terms of Bad Bunny, when Verano Sinti, oh, the, yeah. should have won over pretty much everything else. Yeah. Just off of mm -hmm. sheer, sheer critical cultural facts. That but, is facts. And even that, Beyonce and Kendrick would have been runner runners up for that. Yeah. No. What is the cultural impact of Harry Styles? I would love someone to tell me. I I don't know, and it's just yeah, and it's not. I'm not I, the demographic. You know, it's I can kinda, only say negative things. Yeah, what's kind of crazy is when I think about like, okay, Harry Styles clearly stole it, but who do you steal it from? I'm thinking like. Is it Beyonce? I think it's Beyonce. Like, it's probably Beyonce when it comes yeah, to, you like, know. You know, because, like, look, I, I personally probably enjoyed Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, you know, more than Renaissance, just because I like hip hop mm -hmm. more than dance music. Mm -hmm, but yeah. beyond that, yeah, no, it's. That's about that, the end of it. <laughs> that's as far as it goes because it's a pitch perfect album. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, um, it just—it's a frustrating situation. It really is. And but Kendrick I mean, did win <clears throat> rap album though. How do we feel about yeah, that? Even I was about I know to say that one. While it's a popular choice, while I don't think many people are upset that it won, do you necessarily agree? No, I personally do not. <laughs> you know how I feel. I think as Kendrick, long as the other option is Precious T. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it would have been thing. totally valid for Kendrick to win Album of the Year, first time a rap album would have ever won Album of the Year, and then for Pusha T to win Best Rap Album of the Year. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, that's the dream, but I feel like it's a it's a pipe dream. It, it'll never actually happen. Yeah, like you it's said, it, it's it is so much focused on popularity. The Album of the Year is Harry Styles. The Record of the Year was Lizzo. The song about damn time. Yeah. Which, in reality, it's just a pop song. Yep. It's the most I mean, I, I think music on the radio. I don't, I don't think this is bad. I'm not taking anything away from radio. I, I think, but I'm saying it benefits from being a pop song. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Like, yeah. and I even think like Kendrick's prestige of like being this larger than life artistic force is probably something mm -hmm. that pushes him over the finish line when it comes to best rap album. You know. Because, like, I'm very split on Pusha T or Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Because, like, on one end, I think Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers does a lot more, and I think it does it successfully. 
But like, what did I listen to more? Here's a here's a question. How much? And I'm I'm wondering if anyone even thought about this. How much do we think that Kanye being a, a lead producer for the project contributed to, you know, maybe it's almost dry not being considered to the same extent just because of all that all that that brought with it? I think minorly. You yeah, know, I, 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 I was just... going to say, if anyone that would think about it, it would be us. I'm gonna be honest. I did not. Think yeah, about like I, I, well, I, 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 I thought about it just because of everything that went down, where you know the whole Kanye Grammy thing that happened around what 2019, 2018, yeah. and then after the fact, you know, if if it wins album of the year, I assume that means that everybody who produced it also gets effectively gets a Grammy. So the Grammys would then be giving Kanye an award post everything that's happened this past 2022, which you know, probably isn't the best look publicly for them I, as an organization. I, I don't, I, I can't say that that is or isn't the case. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, interesting it's just something take. to think about. Yeah, think like, interesting take. I, I will say I hadn't considered that. Yeah, my, my thing is that, like, when I think about, like, oh, Mr. Morale probably edging out Pusha T, I don't think of it because of Kanye, you know? like. Oh, agreed, yeah. You mm. know, like... So There's other is things it, that play that. Could... It's it's certainly not impossible. It's not crazy to think, but I think it's probably unlikely. I think it's unlikely unless unless potentially there was intent at the start where it's like, yeah, we're gonna nominate this just in the interest of it's a good album. But there was never any if, unless there was like never any serious consideration for making it, you know, al- uh, like rap album of the year. That yeah. would be the only I would way I could pray. Say. I pray that never happens. Yeah. Or if it's just it's just performative and they know they're not going to give it uh, a right. fair shake. I, I yeah. would just yeah. hope I, that I, that never actually happens. My thing to is anyone, that any like, genre, like as as awful as the Grammys are, I don't think the decision process is as centralized as to even pull that off. Maybe yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think like look, it's an abysmally small group, but it's still probably thousands of people, maybe one or two. You know, yeah. the Academy is a fraction of the uh, movie industry, and it's like two hundred thousand people. Like, so mm-hmm. it, it, I I push back just knowing that part of it. I push back on anything that's like, oh, there's this grand planning because, like, if that's the case, why are they voting? You know? No, I, I that's fair. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just something that I I kind of thought of where it's like, yeah. you know. To what extent does a nomination actually give you a shot at it, right? Because we don't know how the voting process... No, no. Personally, I don't know how the voting process works. Yeah, no, and definitely, mm-hmm. like... Because I don't know exactly how it works for the Grammys. I know a little bit more about how it works for the Academy Awards. And I know it's, like, rank choice. Where it's, like, you say, like, oh, what are your five favorite movies? And then, like, you know, they there's, like, an algorithm or something that, like, figures out, like, what are the most popular movies based on that yeah um, mm-hmm. and i would assume that the grammys are similar but i don't want to assume anything to their benefit like yeah i mean either way <laughs> either way the worst the trend seems I'm to hating be out that here. i am just yeah. straight hating the trend seems to be that whatever is the most commercially accepted from a pop standpoint is just the de facto winner for that yeah. category and the examples i would give of that are this year, obviously, with well, not even this year for for rap album, but for album of the year, um, and then best rap album twenty eighteen when Daytona 
and um, you know, Astroworld got yeah. and something else got beaten out by Invasion of Privacy. Yeah. And then 2013, when Good Kid Mad City and Yeezus got beat by Macklemore's of the Heist. Yeah. All you gotta say. <laughs> and some I those wonder, are the some of the worst ones. I, I wonder if the heist was even more popular. Like I, I don't think I, that I'm sure that it was in terms I, of just like sheer viral really? moment. I don't in, in terms of like viral content, gross. yes. I yes, don't sure necessarily think you're wrong because I think it's definitely true for invasion of privacy. Like that definitely yes, was because of the pop appeal. I, I disagree that it's as bad as Vice. <laughs> like, the Vice is like the peak of like this. Yeah, the worst thing you'll see out of the Grammy. Yeah, well, Harry Styles winning album of the year this year is pretty bad too. It's not okay, as bad as this. I, I, I just want to say the the video for Macklemore's Thrift Shop on YouTube has 1.7 billion views. Yeah. And I really don't think anything on Good Kid Mad City or Yeezus is going to come anywhere close to that. So so I think in terms of sheer viral appeal and in terms of you know what was really trendy at the time with the mainstream, I think that this is far and away up just completely separate from those albums. Yeezus was had very mixed receptions when it came out. 1.7 yeah. billion. Look, I, I like Yeezus, but if you're asking me to pick between Yeezus and Good Kid Mad City, that's not particularly hard for me. I was about to say, I looked up swimming pools and it's 153 million. It's, it's not, not even, even close. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah, it's. But, and and that I mean, was the video. And you know what yeah. probably has more than that is Bound 2, and Bound 2 is probably a fraction. Bound 2, uh, no, no, Bound 2 is 105. Proatic Justice is 149, but that also has Drake. So yeah. that helps. Even so, that's that's almost a tenth of their shot. That's so gross. That's so that's so gross. Mm, yeah, it's it's because we were entering that era of internet where memes. weird yeah. shit, we, not even memes, but like weird shit, started to be cool. Like this is when Gangnam Style blew up. It's like around this time, yeah. like a couple years prior. And then you yeah. see all these like wild outfits, and it's like this goofy song, and they're like riding scooters and shit, and it's just like. That wasn't like where the internet was yet in terms of like how bombastic things were, I feel like. And I think that is what like pushed this video to just be like this huge hit and just, you know, capture everybody's attention. That was 2013, you said? 13. So the Grammys would have been awarded in, in you know, winter of 2014, like in the February 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was literally about to look up like, I was trying to think what was trending back then. I looked up somebody that I used to know, but that was 11 years ago. Yeah. So it was a bit, that was too long ago, but that has 2 billion. Like these are the videos I think about. It, it's just like, why does this have so many views? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. Actually, I lied. It might have been 2012 because Good Kid Mad City came out in 2012. Let me see. Yeah. And, the and 20- then that lines up with this the, somebody that I used to know. The Grammys <laughs> uh, have like a weird cycle. <clears throat> Okay, yeah, I I'd have to look it up, but it's yeah, like, these released at different times, so I'm not sure what the actual order is. It's like March to something. It's not. It's not like the Academy where it's like January first to December thirty first. Yeah, like the calendar year. It's like off center or something. Yeah, because because Good Kid, Mad City came out in the end of October, yeah, October twenty twelve, and then and then it was June of twenty thirteen for Jesus. Yeah, and because the internet was on there too, and that came out in November twenty. Yep. Yeah, and, what a I mean, tragic, tragic, tragic event! How how dare they? Yeah. How dare they? Yeah, disrespect is, those three albums to that extent. That is atrocious. I mean, we could have we could have basically prefaced all of this by saying, 
Frank Ocean removed Blonde from being even considered for Grammys. So that is all the evidence we need that, you know, the Grammys are not exactly deciders of good or quality music. Yeah. (laughs) The one thing Kanye did well was pee in a Grammy. That's the one thing. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then then they still gave him one after the fact, too talking about influence jesus christ but anyway some ones that i actually did want to celebrate but besides all these other ones that we have been negatively talking about unfortunately comedy album dave Chappelle. no i don't even know he had one that's not a victory that's a bad is it bad first off it's extremely bigoted and second off easily dave Chappelle's worst comedy special like even if you're a bigoted i haven't even heard it you haven't heard the closer. You don't remember all the controversy around it. I don't understand. I don't understand how I he's didn't managed. even know there was controversy. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand how brands are so quick to distance themselves from some people and not others. Yeah. Because to me, I, I'm amazed Dave Chappelle is not radioactive at this point. Yeah. Like he. he how was he nominated in a like? How did he win this award? I, I didn't even I know about any the, of this. I don't know the so, comedy album is like a pretty popular thing. I think the other thing that really helped was the fact that Netflix stuck by him and hmm. kind of validated him in that way, which yeah. is, in my opinion, really shitty. But, you know, business is business, and they invested a ton of money into his originals. So they're, they want to see a return on their investment and not just kill those off right away. I also, I got to say, other people, other people coming <clears throat> out to bat for Dave Chappelle because it's like a race thing. Bullshit. Jerry yeah. Lorenzo, one of my favorite designers is currently doing that and released a collection <laughs> associated with Dave Chappelle and his tour, which I think is pretty just fucking gross, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah no, I... I will be... Re- Dave, Dave Chappelle was one of my comedy heroes. He was someone I looked up to. I wrote a paper about him in a critical studies class. Like, he, yeah. he is a personal hero of mine. And he... The, the fall from grace has been... Yeah. Intense. I right, think you like, really it's it's interesting how this continues to happen to people who are you know pop culture figures of the early 2000s. Look at yeah. all the controversy around JK Rowling. Jesus Christ, dude. She is same same Brandon brain. gave me a whole speech about this this week. Yeah, no, JK so, Rowling is like, I think exactly she's the same easily, thing for Dave Chappelle. I think she's easily a step or two worse. Uh, no, in terms of yeah, like, continued deliberate, I would agree. Yeah. But at the same time it's like you see this this movement of like People who represent something very, like a very interesting cross section of pop culture where people can agree they like a certain media. Yeah. And then the creator of that media goes down this increasingly like alternative path into something that is very, you know, fringe or very not, um, or just, big, ex- or just wrong, bigoted like, or accepted. Or, yeah. yeah. Just whatever. Yeah. The yeah. whole thing. So, yeah. And you, know. Like, you know, and it's wild. It's a wild thing. So, yeah, no, I do not consider this a win at all, right? Yeah. Like, I I don't know the Grammys, uh, like credential, like what they consider for comedy albums, mm-hmm. uh, because back in the day, before like TV blew up in like the eighties, right? Like before the eighties, so stand up comedy was released on albums like music. Yeah, it was not something you saw live. It was something you saw. So, like, comedy has a presence at the Grammys because, like, all the way until the 80s, like, comedy was a part of the recording industry. 
mm-hmm. right? I was going to say, so it was an actual real category that was competed for, whereas yeah, today now, it may not be. But now, like, comedy has just transitioned to being more of a television, and now an Viral. internet thing, right? Yeah. Like, like, Okay, so I was going to say, cancel me for that whole take then, because... What is a comedy album supposed to cover? When I was thinking comedy album, I'm thinking of like fucking Dave. No, Dave is <laughs> like not, or, or like Lonely Islands. Right. Right. So that's like comedy music, right? Like that is music that's made to be funny, right? You know, do you watch stand up comedy like on Netflix or HBO? Occasionally. Yeah. Here and there. Right. Like it's great. I've I've watched so much stand up comedy. Right? Yep. You know how like you watch it in like one hour specials? It, this would be the album. This, the album would be that one hour special, maybe a slightly longer version, yeah. like as an album, right? And that was originally how stand-up comedy was distributed. And then, like, in the 80s, there was a big blow-up. Stand-up comedy got super popular, like, because of television. The rise of late night. Yeah, and then, like, thing. yeah, the rise of late night was a huge thing. Starting with, like, George Carlin, that's when it really started to be, like, that was seventies. Early SNL was yeah. the start of that. He was the first ever host of SNL in the seventies as well. Yeah, SNL just interesting kind of, yeah. enough. The names have literally changed throughout time. I, I went to go to Wikipedia. Apparently, nineteen fifty nine and nineteen sixty seven. They actually call it best comedy performance. Didn't yeah. even call it an album. Yeah. Um, sixty eight to ninety one was recording yeah. best comedy recording. Not until nineteen ninety two. Did they actually change it to album? Yeah. So I feel like it's just completely misbranded, and at some point, it just needs to be removed. Yeah, and I, in I, my opinion, I do think like they still release some comedy specials as albums. So I wouldn't doubt that there's some way you can get this a closer as an album. But yeah, that's just what it is, and it just sucks that like Dave Chappelle is just taken seriously, right? Like. Yeah, I'm taking a look. This is uh this whole category is filtered with mess. Bill Cosby has the most wins with yeah. six or yeah. seven. And like the thing is that like just like music, you know, the kind of comedy that gets recognized at the Grammys is not indicative of like where the Ooh. culture is. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like, you know, like to me, like the best comedy special I saw last year was on YouTube. Yeah, the yeah. the problem and another problem with the 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 genre specifically is that like music, you know, someone might have lyrics that you you know personally don't agree with, but it is definitely in my opinion easier to separate art from artist in that context in terms of who they are and what they stand for because a lot of times art doesn't necessarily reflect their worldview or their beliefs, but stand up tends to draw directly from those things. It's much closer. So, so it is, you are effectively burying your soul a lot of the time when you go up and do stand-up because otherwise it just wouldn't be relatable. And for people like Dave Chappelle who are going to go out there and tell, you know, very personal jokes, opinionated things that have the potential to directly impact the health, safety, and well-being of other people, you know, there's, there's a sense of personal responsibility there that's being just completely disregarded. And... We've seen the knock-on effects of this over the past couple of years, and it's it's not healthy or safe for you know a productive society. No, I say I say we move on. Is there anything else we gotta do from the Grammys? Please no. <laughs> yeah, like I I I know there's the whole Robert Glasper thing. I don't want to talk. I don't know anything about this. 
Me neither. Right? Like, the Robert Glasper? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to say it was a really good album, and I'm glad he won. Okay, because, like... Say that. Because uh, I hear he's an incredible musician, but, like, I know some people said, like, oh, it was awful that they gave it to him. Chris Brown Chris Brown was, went on a rant. And, oh, I saw opinion, that. Chris yeah. Brown never really existed in my circle, and I think he's overhyped. Personal take. I, I totally agree. He I, has some hits when his early 20s. I think he's irrelevant now, and yeah. I can get as much hate as you want. No, Way to be a gracious loser. It's, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, okay, so I am firmly anti-Chris Brown. <clears throat> I did see a TikTok where this person was like, hey, I actually agree with Chris Brown in that it's kind of wild that Robert Glasper and Chris Brown are even in the same category. That's what Chris Brown said. Yeah. And he it's said, like, why are we in the same category? And like, okay, I think there might actually be something of an argument there. That's not awful. But uh, if, if anything, Chris Brown's to change, I feel like Robert Glasper was an actual R&B song. Or that, R&B I, album. Oh, I, I agree with Chris that. Chris Brown should be there if that's the issue. I, I, <laughs> I get that as an argument. Once again, I have not heard either of these albums, but I get that as a great argument as to why Robert Glasper should have won, right? So that's valid. I I think it's valid to say though that like maybe there should be like a more like traditional R and B and like more of a modern R and B or a pop R and B because it's like I'm certain that if you listen to it, I'm certain the song like the albums sonically are almost nothing alike. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the problem is there's no accounting for genre blends. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Is a pop rap album is more likely to do well than a rap album. Yeah, just because of its appeal to mainstream, and that we know that that's kind of what the Grammy Awards tends to fixate on. But yeah, that's that's as much as I got. I haven't listened to Robert Glasper. I've listened to albums he's been on, and he's been he's contributed to some of the best albums released in my yeah. life so it's like i'm sure he's, i'm sure he's great but uh no. then but yeah. we can close out the grams let's close it out are we ready for the blitz Do it. on to the big stuff the bit blitz. all right jasper <clears throat> what is the blitz all right and why was this a perfect idea <laughs> the blitz is uh an idea that i had to try and bring more new music onto the show not necessarily through news or releases, but through genre, because I found myself really enjoying kind of bringing on one song a week of my two recommendations that wasn't in the hip hop and rap lane, just because it's nice to kind of throw something new in there or something that I'm really listening to at the time that's not just that genre. So the idea here is this. Each of us has selected a total of three genres of music that we personally really enjoy. And for each of those three, we've each selected three albums. So we've each selected a total of nine albums across three genres. And what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and go through, give a little rundown of each taking turns, a genre we picked, albums within it, what those albums contain, and then also uh, you know, what some standout tracks are, why we like it, and if you know our counterparts have any questions, we're going to go ahead and kind of run through that as well. We've put together a couple of playlists that have one or two songs off of, or two or three songs off of the projects that we picked. And we're actually going to make those available in the link to this podcast after this as well. So yeah, yeah let's, uh, let's get into it. Yeah, some musical exposure therapy. 
Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was really cool to just think about like, oh, like what, what music do I want to share? Like, what do I think will go over well? What do I think you guys will like? What do I think will broaden your horizons? Yeah. Uh, what do I think is like a fun piece of context? This was a lot of fun. So how do we want to start? Do we just want to do the first batch, our first, our first genre each? Yeah, that works. And we have three rounds of this. So this is the first round. Right. All right. Should I open it up? I was, I was going to say Jasper, seeing as it's his idea, and then we can do you the Go second Jasper. time. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so for starters, my first genre was rock and indie rock. And I picked out three albums that span pretty much the early 2000s to mid 2000s. Yeah. My 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 first pick is a kind of a softer album called "Love Is Here" by or by Star Sailor, which I kind of brought up on the playlist or on the podcast. I think it was last week, maybe the week before that. Uh, but I recommended the song "Way to Fall" off of that as one of my two tracks. And this was my first pick. It came out like 2001, British, you know, kind of like Brit uh, indie rock. And very different from what I think a lot of the indie rock space looks like now and also back then. It's got very kind of intense emotional lyrics over some lighter instrumentation. There's not a whole lot of really heavy sound on this, not a ton of guitar distortion, but there's, you know, there's definitely songwriting happening. There's a lot of keyboard, there's uh, the use of you know, piano and other kind of percussive instrumentation that isn't necessarily, again, super traditional. I will say some of the songwriting, the lyrics have not aged the best. There's some kind of corny stuff in there, but I think the vocal performances are so good across the project just in terms of the the range and the uh, just the diversity that, you know, it really kind of stands out for me. So that was my first pick, and it's an album I've been listening to probably for, man, I would say I've been listening to that album regularly probably since 2016 or 2017 so yeah one of my favorites yeah no i i enjoyed listening to these two songs because like i indie rock from like the early 2000s because that was a wave that was a Mm -hmm. massive wave of music like that 100 garage rock and then indie rock and brit pop and like my context for it has always been like super high energy groups uh you know, the, the Arctic Monkeys probably being, like, one of my favorites, you know. You know, kind of like the slam dance kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I kind of liked how low energy this is. I know that's usually a, a dig in reviews, but this, I think, like, is actually, like, well done. Like, it's low energy in a good way. Yeah, I think it does a really good job of generating ramps. Yeah, you've got, like, songs. You've got songs that are very, very slow that kind of lend themselves to this groove or this like slower start. So for example, Alcoholic is a song like that. And then that kind of then pops up into something more intense or just, uh, you know, even the ending to the album, the way it closes out on coming down, there's like some intense energetic guitar riffing in there. And yeah, I think it has like a nice sense of flow to it for, for an album that, you know, is a little all over the place like that. Yeah. Hmm. I will say I had to like go and listen to both of your like actual playlists that you made the sample playlist because yeah. there's a lot of albums that I just I don't have the experience in especially in indie rock I have 
damn near no experience. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun, um, like yeah. actually going back and listening to like these albums. It's, <clears throat> in my opinion, and this is coming from someone who is considered an outsider, um, for rock music, I think it serves an amazing purpose just in music in general and just all the genres because I think it does the best job at live music. Um, especially compared to hip hop, the genre of the podcast, um, it is significantly better. Yeah. It, regardless what the instrument is, regardless whatever the song is, the drums sound better, the guitar sounds better, the vocals sound better. It just in general, of course, you, you get energy. We can go to Lollapalooza and we can go listen to the Stick by Jid, and like we'll be hyped. But like it's. It's a different feeling for when you when you go like see Metallica at the, the same Lala. Yeah, making the yeah. music. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you get like, like major you go see Metallica. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Metallica the day before that. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Like you your, get, your brain explodes. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, that's the best part about rock, you know, is the, the live performance of it. It's just hip hop is great. Like, and when you really get like the, into that party atmosphere, almost like Pusha T, I feel like is like a hip like that concert was almost like the purest hip-hop live performance type. But when you see, like, rock, dude, it's... it's in all different. of its forms. Yeah, the, the thing about it to me that makes it unique is the fact that not just one component of the track is recreated. Because in hip-hop, you know, you can't just reproduce a beat live on stage. It's going to be... You have maybe a slightly changed version of your original beat or your original, you know, instrumentation... Also, with probably some of your lyrics serving as backup, and then you are filling in the rest as the artist. Yeah. Whereas with this, you are completely recreating or re, redoing, in effect, your your songs when you're playing a rock song, and there's a sense of excitement there because it's not exactly to a studio recording. There's the opportunity for deviation and experimentation with different effects and different volumes and and just things that you know. I think hip hop is a little too rigid in the way that the music is currently made for it to really lend itself well to. The only thing I could think of that would deviate from this is when I saw Gambino and he did World Star. And World Star had the he actually brought somebody out to play the guitar solo at the end. That's the only example I can think of that really like lends itself to that rock format. So I've actually seen I can name three big rappers off the top of my head who had like full bands with them. And they're not like rap it's not like Anderson Pack who like has a band like in their (laughs) Like, right, right, like right. Has yeah, been, right. I mean, to be fair, like, I could see Kanye and like Sunday yeah. Service counting as that, but yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. Well, like when I saw Lupe Fiasco, like, yeah, he had like a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer. When I saw yeah. Vic Mensa, he had that, uh, and a, an artist that I don't think anyone would peg for this kind of thing, Wiz Khalifa. When I saw him live, he had a band come That's out cool. and recreate the beats like live. And like I, I, and I think this proves the point more than disproves it. Just that, yeah, when you have that live performance and that opportunity for like on the fly creative expression, it it really enhances the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's agree. yeah. There's some some sounds you I guess you just can't recreate. Like I can't I can't imagine numbers on the board being recreated by a you know a band. Right. Yeah. No, it just doesn't work. It. it it doesn't lend itself to to have an advantage there. Well, like the the reason I was thinking, about, I've thought about this for years in general. But like I'm literally sitting on the train, and I love drums. 
um, a, a sneak peek into my genre. One of my first genres was gospel. And like the biggest part about gospel growing up is the drums aspect of it. And I'm sitting there like literally like doing the kick pedal, like while I'm sitting on the train yep. and like stuff like that is like, it's little things that adds to experience. Yeah. I'm not even watching it. I don't even know this band. And it's enough to like get that mental atmosphere where you're just like, I'm in the music now. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I feel like the music and the beat and things like that. And like, it just lends itself to it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we go on to the next album? Because we got nine of these. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. So my next one is uh, Broken Boy Soldiers by The Rock on Tourists, a 2006 album by what I think is one of the most underrated bands in this space. Yeah. Um, this is one of Jack White's three projects, White Stripes, Rock on Tours, and Dead Weather. And I think he's got some other things going on, but those are the three that I'm really familiar with. Yeah, he also has a pretty, pr- pretty large solo career. True, yeah, he does have his own, yeah. that's right. Uh, of the groups that he's kind of put together and been the front man for, though, I think this one is, in my opinion, aside from like, a lot some of the white stripe stuff the best critically and also the most underrated in that vein uh it's jack white and brendan benson who's another yeah. great singer songwriter and they kind of take a split approach kind of lennon and mccartney style to the way they put albums together write songs and then sing and perform those songs so you have certain songs that have jack white's like super chaotic intense vocal style and energy and writing and you've got more calm tracks. You've got Brendan Benson tracks. He's a little lower, a little smoother. But at the same time, he can kind of keep up and match or even mirror Jack White's energy level. This album, 2006, super good. Uh, I grew up listening to this album. My dad was really into it. I got really into it. And I was really into this whole kind of, I'd say, more, um, I don't even know. Yeah, like Midwest rock kind of scene for a while. Uh, but yeah, I mean... There are a lot of hits, a lot of classics on this album, in my opinion, and I picked two of the ones that I think are the most kind of like well-known and palatable of those, but there are a lot of other really super solid songs on here, like Blue Veins, which is the closing track, uh, Yellow Sun, which I think is a super underrated Brendan Benson track, and it's just like, I don't know, I I think it's... I think it really speaks volumes that Steady As She Goes, the, the hit track on this, has 203 million plays on Spotify. Nothing else breaks 30 million. Yeah, yeah <laughs> nothing, nothing else breaks 30 million. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. solid project. Sheesh. Yeah, it's a solid project. Sheesh. I'm, I didn't learn about this probably until about four years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, this, I, I really like this album. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with it. I was so happy when I saw that you chose it. And I do think it kind of like, especially when you put it in the context of Jack White's career, yeah, it's like kind of raises some questions. I think it raises and gives some nice answers about like the nature of indie when you think about indie rock, because mm-hmm. like a lot of the sound from it, kind of similar to some things we see in hip hop, you know, came from like having to be creative with your resources. You know, I think about like yeah. the real early White Stripe stuff. Yeah. Uh, White blood cells. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now you get to the point where Jack White is when he does the rock on tours. If that's how you say it. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yeah, uh, you got it. And like he no longer has to make those creative decisions. He has all the resources he wants. He is making those creative decisions because they're the creative decisions he wants to make. 
Yes. Right? So it stops becoming about, like, a necessity and more about an aesthetic. And, like, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. So I think, like, this kind of, like, album represents, like, when indie kind of went from being, like, this sounds like this because it has to, to, like, this sounds like this because we want it to. Yeah, it definitely feels like the Rock on Tours is the the next step in the evolution of what I think Jack White wanted his sound with a group to sound like. I think the White Stripes was limited by it just being really fundamentally the two of them and what they could both do on their own as opposed to this having additional vocals and another individual playing the bass and someone else on drums. And I think we see that kind of carried forward. The the bassist who plays for the Rock on Tours, I don't remember his name. No. He's the same. He's the same bassist who went on to play for the Dead Weather. So there's a. I think there's a nice connection there where it feels like Jack White found people and other artists he really wanted to work with, and and made or put together you know a project or a group that had the ability to deliver on a vision. Yeah. No, and I I totally agree with that. Ervis, what did you think of these? I was going to say, to me, I don't know the genre, obviously, as much as you two. Um, my biggest question, even in terms of all three of these that you selected, don't get me wrong, the, the first thing that I came across was just, like, how impactful, like, the actual music aspect is in hearing a live instrument. The second part is, what's the difference between indie rock and just regular rock? Oh, Regular rock encompasses, in my opinion, a lot of stuff that is... And, and the thing is, definitions change over time, right? Just yeah. like with hip-hop. Um, but in, in my opinion, like my take on it is that indie rock tends to encompass more of a a sound or a um, a form of expression that is less refined. I would say that this album is slightly less on the really indie side of rock as say star sailor is in that sense just based on uh, but again these are different things because one is american and one is british so there's kind of like different definitions now this compared to my next one is completely different <laughs> because yeah. that one is technically garage rock which is yeah. another separate subgenre but but yeah, even more low-key yeah. i'm just gonna assume <laughs> yeah well well, it's yeah, it's it's lesser known, and it's I, I think how far they go from pop. So when you think about like pop rap versus rap, like actual rap for the sake of rap, I think of that as mm. being you know indie rock is rap as pop rap is to regular rock. That's yeah. how I see it. I, I think like a good like Rosetta Stone to kind of understand it is like I think indie rock is kind of like the Chance the Rapper of like the rock world in that. It's okay. it is what you think it is. It's people coming from like independent roots, right? Not a lot I'm of money. Say, I'm not going to sign either, to a label. <laughs> yeah, like and like or very very small micro labels, usually either in London or New York City, right? So you see bands like uh, as I brought up earlier, like the Arctic Monkeys. I suck at bringing up names of these ones, like the White Stripes. Where would you put Twenty One Pilots? I pop. This, I don't. I don't that's think po- that's more pop. Yeah. I I would say because like I have a slightly different definition of rock, and like I think I'll bring that up when we get to my round. Uh, but I would say Twenty One Pilots is completely outside the big umbrella of rock. I I would it doesn't agree. even fall under. No, I it's, think it's I pop. Would, 
I would say it's pop with rock instrumentation. And I think a lot of bands nowadays follow that format. I mean, Imagine Dragons is a great yeah. example of that. A lot of stuff that was big around the time when Purvis, when you and I were like graduating high school, is probably yeah. in that vein. So like yeah. Bastille, One Republic, shit like that. It's like they use, they, they borrow elements from the genre, yeah. but it's fundamentally pop in terms of its structure and yeah. its lyrics and what it's trying to convey. Yeah. An invasion of privacy. <laughs> yeah. yeah so go. tell me about tell me about the garage rock, the D four. Yeah. So this is I by far this was a this lot is, of energy. This is by far the most obscure thing on this list, um, for me personally. So the D four is a super tiny band from New Zealand. They are really, I would say, like the more underground version of what Jet became. If you're familiar with the band Jet, you know, are you going to be my girl? Stuff like that. Um, I know that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Jet was a garage rock band from Australia that blew up because they were featured in that album, that uh, Apple commercial. Yeah, the iPod commercial. And, yeah, and Get Born, their like first album, really took off and became like a smash hit. They didn't have many that followed that were good afterwards, but this is more like a, a an underground version of that. So. Tons and tons of energy. Again, early 2000s, I think 2002 for 620. Or no, 2003, my mistake. And yeah, just celebrated its 20th anniversary. Um, just like a solid, solid project. They, Like I said, they are very off the radar. They have, after 20 years, 12,500 monthly listeners on Spotify, of which I am one of them. Um, and they actually did release a kind of 20-year retrospective project called 621 that is um available as vinyl and i'm like trying to find a way to get it from new zealand for cheap because that shit is expensive to ship yeah and and yeah it's just uh i'd say very intense almost in the punk vein when it comes to kind of like the the energy level the tempos that they're using and then they some of the instrumentation but the the vocals are a little bit more melodic than that so yeah. it, it kind of strikes this happy medium between what i would say is like po almost post-punk in a way and then also just like what is indie rock and that i think is what you could kind of categorize garage rock as like party music anti-establishment and then also like self-reflection and like where you fit in society is like kind of like one group but that's just my interpretation i i think it hit the nail on the head i think another thing like just to kind of like center it a little bit is like it's called garage rock because it's the kind of rock you would hear someone play out of their garage so don't yeah. expect like layers don't expect like strings don't expect massive drum arrangements it's, it's very it's, it's high raw. yeah it's raw it's stripped back it's like a very elemental version of rock that had a very popular resurgence in uh the early 2000s and it seems like the major difference between garage rock and indie rock is just like aesthetics and like maybe even location yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the D4 right now, and they're classified as garage rock, garage punk, and post punk revival. So it's in my sound, opinion, yeah, they sound indie very, that draws more from punk. Yeah, they definitely sound very post punk because you're right, yeah. like that the the energy of punk is there, but like the aesthetics, I think of punk just kind of aren't. Definitely, like, I I considered bringing in a bunch of punk, but I decided to be kind. Like, and and it, it makes sense though too. I mean, you look at Brit the British punk wave of say the eighties, yeah. and, and then you know how New Zealand and Australia drew from pop culture from the UK around yeah. that time, and then how that evolved. Yeah. 
All right. So So yeah. I'm curious, Purvis, what did you think of these two tracks? Yeah. It's, it's did, did so you get tough loose? for me. Did you get up and get <laughs> out and get loose? <laughs> it is honestly so tough for me because like from and excuse my lack of knowledge and my ignorance, but it's so difficult breaking down what is rock, what is metal, what is punk, and things like that. Because yeah. like I, I literally I have no experience. I'll, I'll, I'll say <laughs> like this. Like when when I good. say I know a ton of songs, a ton of songs. Yeah, I know them by word. Like I know the full verses, but like in reality, I'm not in the genre, so it's hard for me to really appreciate it. Yeah, all I know like, is that like it made me feel good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's no, good that's start. good. Yeah, it's kind of like asking someone who only has a cursory knowledge of hip hop to tell the difference between drill and trap. Yeah, no way for me to know. Like everyone on this call could immediately tell the difference. You know? Right. Like, yeah, it is. I'll say this a good hint. No one brought any metal songs. Okay, yeah, I was that, that's what it. I would say. Uh, I, Alice in with, Chains with kind you... of touches a little bit metal, <laughs> they do, but yeah, uh, not. I was really. gonna say, if anything, you have me listen to Metallica. Like, I can determine Metallica's kind of what's the difference between like, like yeah, I know what's yeah. that, but there are so many. I know what's the other stuff, but there are so many <laughs> subgenres of metal that yeah. break down right. into like different sounds uh, that yeah. then you get into the whole kind yeah. of rabbit hole. Yeah. And, like, this is just a very specific one, but, like, I, I think you brought in, like, a really good representation of the genre. And that's the thing where I feel like, I, I don't want to say that I didn't appreciate it enough because I, I do like the music yeah. and I enjoyed everything I listened to. But, like, coming from the outside, for me personally, and again, this could just be a, a blinded take. When I listen to hip hop, I know what's underground hip hop and yeah. I know what's pop hip hop. And I know what's experimental hip hop. And like, I can keep going because there are very different sounds between an Earl sweatshirt and a Drake. Like, it, yeah. no, they're so po polarly opposite, in my yeah. opinion. They don't even, they, it's almost like not even the same genre. Yeah. So for me, it's almost impossible to know what's I'm an so, indie rock in a so, genre. I am so or happy. Or a garage you brought, rock. I'm so happy you brought this up. <laughs> Because like, it all sounds I, the same to me. Because like I knew you would have like that hill you got to get over. Because I think like that when I started getting into house music like five six years ago, like I had the same thing. Like I didn't know what the difference between like traditional house and French house and deep house and like what all these different things were. But now I can kind of you know figure decipher. It out. Yeah, right. So I just I just think it's exposure. Because like I whereas I think Jasper did a really good job bringing in like very laser focused wide breadth of like a movement i br i tried to bring in rock from like all over and i was like okay he'll probably be able to tell what these are like <laughs> he'll probably yeah. be able to t he'll be able to tell the difference between these i will say off the bat your rock music and i know they're two different genres i don't remember what you title you um, your rock i actually knew yeah. Jasper's was all like, okay, this is new to me. Yeah. This so, is all new to me. I got to say, I think one thing that's important is, I think for the listeners, it's good that we're breaking down, you know, genre definitions and, and basically explaining, you know, yeah. what the context of this music is. But I think at the end of the day, for like what we're doing, where we're going off of each other's, like for me, I definitely didn't fixate on what the genre was assigned to the music I listened to on either of your lists. I was more mm -hmm. so thinking about like musically, vocally, what is it that 
I resonate with on this project, even if this genre is not something that I would personally listen to myself yeah. or if it, it, mm -hmm. or something that I don't listen to every day. What do I resonate with? So I think going forward, genre is less important as is just how you felt about the music. I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for, definitely. Sure. for sure. All right. But yeah, well, so I, that's, that's, that's the whole of my first one. Purvis, you want to go next? Naturally, I don't know. Do you want to stick on rock or do you want to change it up a Let's little bit? Let's take a break. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break on rock. Yeah. Um, let's take a break. We let's are going to take let's, a sharp turn. Let's take a sharp Because you know me. Go. You know I like hard left turns. We're going to talk about some hey, God hey. music. <laughs> I'm bringing religion. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, no, actually, though, my, my first genre that I decided to dive into was gospel. I've given Brandon a taste, a sprinkle of fairly commercialized gospel but i i chose the album that i had him listen to by try tribit I, I decided that one because it is the closest to a hip-hop album in a sense i there is a, a whole subgenre of hip-hop gospel that i won't even dive into yeah but i feel like that was the most enjoyable for you to kind of get an introduction to even though i know you've listened to gospel music just like for the podcast yeah um but but the ones that i took are much more in depth, I would say. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is a very well-known artist, Kirk Franklin. Um, I think Kirk Franklin as an individual stands above so many other people in the genre just because he is like the face of commercialized gospel. Um, I don't know if you all listen to the music, but like this is you think of like hype black churches this is what i want you to think about yeah but this one <laughs> I, I want this you one to feel the, the most <laughs> like i'm in the place i listen to all, yes. both of your playlists twice so i yes. <laughs> I, I i know what's going on i was gonna say i listen to everyone's songs um if you did listen to the kirk franklin one like i said it is the most like you feel like you're in a church and yeah. with gospel music as much as i want to hype up like acid rap or blonde being the most listened to albums in my life it's undebatably gospel that's all i could listen to growing up <laughs> unfortunately being a pastor son and it's all i have been listening to since day one so like kirk franklin is the definition of like you turn on 1390 a.m which neither of you may actually know what that is now no. that i say that <laughs> holy sh no. <laughs> I just realized you guys don't know what 1390 I is, only, which again blows my mind. I listened to <laughs> growing up, we listened to AM radio for traffic and bears games. That's it. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it is the news. AM is the news. Um, I can't believe I had to explain this, and I probably had to explain this with a lot of our listeners, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but 1390 AM is literally the gospel radio station. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is something you would hear growing up. This was this came out in 1998. This is the New Nation Project yeah. by Frank uh, Kirk Franklin. It's literally like you turn on the radio and you're having church in your car. Um, so that's why I chose this one. Um, how do you guys feel so far about these album or this album, the first one, the first two? If you listen to it, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah no, this, I enjoyed it. One. I enjoyed it. So here's the thing: I have some ideological issues with some of the things said in the first song. I, I know uh, that was gonna happen, <laughs> but musically, the first song was like cool, but like I, I told you this when we talked about the the gospel album, 
It's like to me, like the the more straightforward gospel stuff, like I could instantly fuck with because I think aesthetically and sonically it's just gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. But the stuff that's like this kind of like is trying like almost like bleeding into hip hop a little bit. It sounds a little. It, cool. doesn't, it, it doesn't work for yeah. me. It makes it makes gospel it makes hip hop worse, not gospel better. Like. <laughs> Uh, it is the has, worst genre to have a yeah. hip hop subject. It, yeah, <laughs> it feels like the hip hop version of Christian rock a yeah, little bit in does. that way. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but like, I'm curious. But the oh, but the less mm-hmm. like hip hop one, something about the name of Jesus. I I like that song. Like shockingly, considering the name of it and my yeah. religious convictions. Like no, but like it's a gorgeous <laughs> song. So like I have yeah, yeah. This was probably my least favorite set of the three you brought for gospel. But like I I still mm-hmm. liked it plenty. I, 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 I enjoyed the high energy and not to skip ahead too much, but I'm curious, what would you consider to be more authentic to your, your kind of religious experience when it comes to actually church going? Would you say it's the Kirk Franklin selection or the Marvin Sapp selection? It would most definitely be the Marvin Sapp. Yeah. That's um, what I thought. Cause you, 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 yeah. yeah. Cause you mentioned the, that this was, you know, church music in your car. And I, I felt that way about this, but it was like, there's something a little more uh, definitely polished commercial about it. And knowing what I know about Kirk Franklin, I mean that makes sense to me. Yeah, I just thought that the the call and response elements to Marvin Sapp were really kind of put it over the top as far as being like the more authentic in that way. Oh yeah, if you took that as like something you've gathered from the three albums, that's perfect because like even that alone, like I was saying, it's hard to tell the difference between garage rock and like indie rock. If you can tell the difference between like. A Kirk Franklin album, which is very clearly commercialized, meant for the radio, yeah. and a Marvin Sapp album, which is like much more conceptual, something you would actually like play at church. Yeah, <laughs> it, you wouldn't play Kirk Franklin at church in reality. <laughs> um, I mean, like I, I like the the Marvin Sapp is my favorite. Of, yeah, not to skip ahead, but like. Oh, of course, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll go for it. I'll just go ahead and do the Martin, Marvin Sapp next then. Um, Marvin Sapp was the third selection I had for the albums. If both of you, if that's what you take away, you you hit it on the you hit the nail on the head, honestly. Um, Marvin Sapp is 100% what would actually be played at church. <laughs> um, I, I feel like growing up Baptist, Pentecostal, my official is Church of God in Christ, but I won't dive into that. It doesn't matter. Um... Kirk Franklin is kind of sometimes looked at in a negative sense, which I personally, as a younger generation, do not like, but a lot of older generation do not like, quote-unquote, worldly music, which Kirk Franklin would fall under. Worldly? Because I'm not lying. What, like, what, to, is, what do you mean when you say worldly? Is it because a it quote has unquote that kind of worldly album? Because it has that pop hip hop sound. Okay. Yeah, not even it's joking. the more commercialized, the more polished, yeah, commercial. the more commercialized yeah. sound. A hundred percent. Where more traditional um, gospel music, whether it comes from slavery times or wherever you want to take it from, is more call and response, more actual spiritual. I would say. So um, worldly being anything outside the church versus things yeah, that would 100%. actually be authentically made in the church. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. yes, yeah. So you you guys got it. Honestly, if that's what you take away, you guys hit it round the head. Um, like you said, Marvin Sapp is a hundred percent something. When I was young and forced to be in the choir, I know these songs more than the back of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like this is essentially a grain ingrained in my blood. Like that's, I, that's I, me. I, I can't Sinatra. not know the song. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I bleed it. <laughs> it's like you, you, you can't help it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, honestly, that that's all I really want to share on Marvin Tapp. And both your takes are amazing on that. If you can tell yeah, the no, difference. Yeah, because um, like I, I think all three of these have like a very pronounced sound. Like a very, I, I did not struggle to. Separate to separate these, <laughs> yeah, you know? very distinctive. Yeah, very distinctive to me. Uh, do yeah. we want to move on to the family service choir, Sunday service choir? Because, like, obviously, like, yes, this one is probably most relevant to the core content of this channel slash podcast. Yeah. Slash so I was gonna say what? But... <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that this would was technically my second one. This is the one that probably stands out the most. Um. The, the reason I wanted to, to include this, the Sunday service choir is very, very unique in its placement within the genre. Um, it is in no way openly accepted in the genre. Like it doesn't have its own official meaning to it. It doesn't hold any weight within it, but I think it does serve a purpose in what gospel could be. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Sunday service choir is directly associated with Kanye West and he does appear in the album. So for warning to anyone who wants to listen to my playlist, if you are still on a no Kanye list, I respect it. <laughs> Skip the songs. Um, but I think this separates itself from Jesus is King, which is Kanye's album and actually goes more into the gospel side of it. I think when Kanye dropped Jesus is King, it was extremely controversial as it was nominated for awards within gospel and Kanye, depending on who you ask, may not be that religious. Yeah. No, so I, not to, I, I wanted to start with So to me as an outside looking in on this one, to me, this definitely, like, you could tell, like, this is not coming from the no. church. To me, it feels tasteful. Not at all. To me, it does yeah. feel like a, a tasteful recreation of those gospel sounds. Like, that is exactly what it is. But it, it, yeah, it's essentially, can... yeah, I was going to say it creates its own controversy, controversial because, as I mentioned before, the definition of worldly music, this would be even more than Kirk Franklin. My yeah. dad. It, it, I have a funny joke with my brother because my dad preaches about Kanye West. He calls him Kanye or Kanye West as a joke it's because Kanye West has done many negative things. Um, and so, like, my dad would not be caught dead listening to Kanye music. But, like, my brother and I have played this album around the house and he would enjoy it. So it without telling him who it is. So it's it's a very interesting conversation or narrative that's being created now, because I feel like a lot of gospel music has been sheltered or withheld from the world because just religion and how it works. Right. It's how religion works. Unfortunately, by listening to these albums, you are lining up with the things they are preaching. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I think it serves a purpose of like actually making it more accessible. Well, like, that's the thing, right? Is like, because I'm someone who has, like, some oh, deeply anti religion views. Uh, but, like, I, do, I know. <laughs> but, like, you have six songs here. One of them had stuff I, I, I object to on an ideological basis, which is not, mm -hmm. which is a very small amount, right? So, like, I think there's something to be said that, because I don't think religion is, like, all bad per se. 
you know, I, I think like it can lead you to like really beautiful relation, like revelations. And like to some people, that's how they get genuine human insight is through spirituality and faith in a higher power that I just personally don't believe in. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, like I think... I, to me, it doesn't come across as alienating at all. But like, I and it's kind of ironic because like the Kirk Franklin to me was by far the most alienating. And it's like, really? yeah, like just because like it, it seems to be pushing. He more, does say some very he, he seems to be pushing specific things. The, <laughs> the ideology of Christianity in the face, whereas, whereas Marvin Sapp seems to be talking more about Christian values, which you know when you, there are ways to break those down in, that in, that I would agree with. Yeah, of course, oh, and, yeah. and like you guys mentioned, Marvin Sapp is actual church music. Yeah. So if he is the one breaking down the actual values is how you should actually act as a quote unquote good Christian, <laughs> um, where that Kirk Franklin is more commercialized. Anyone can turn on 1390 and praise God if you want to quote it that way, <laughs> um, but may not be as involved with the religious practices necessarily. Oh. Um, but Jasper, I, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think that where Sunday service sits, I feel like it it draws from, you know, gospel aesthetically. But I think, in my opinion, it sits totally outside of that. Just because it, it feels like so much of an insular thing. It doesn't feel like anything else directly relates to it other than Kanye's own discography. So in that way, I could see how it kind of is like an olive branch to it, but I don't see it being... I don't see it being directly referential or inspired by in that way. So, like, to me, I think that while, you know, people might be interested in the sound of gospel based on listening to this, in my opinion, just on based on what I've heard, something that would be more akin to, like, actually incorporating it into a more mainstream genre would be something like Chance 3, like the song How Great, yeah, where it's yeah. like... You're yeah. taking you're taking like actual elements of not only the the style but the subject matter of the music, and then embedding that within your own sound. And I don't that, think that yes. Father yeah, Stretch or Rain do that, but I think that they're both good in their own their own way in that they they draw those elements to make something else. I couldn't agree more. I think my it, take. Yeah, no. that is, in my opinion, great yeah. take. Right I think that's an excellent point because he, even you bringing up Chance, I considered making one of Chance's albums like a gospel one, but I I think when you actually break down the album within itself, it's, it doesn't qualify as a no. gospel album. It's too, but it absolutely broad. has yeah. uh, exactly it's too broad, but it has strong elements. Yeah. Just who Chance is. Chance grew up in the church. Yeah, yeah. whether you want to admit it or not, yeah. if you like Chance. You like gospel music because it's there's a lot all of over his albums. All over. Right. Even even it's some on Aspen, like going all the way back to 10 Day, you know? Oh, for sure. He, yes, but even on 10 Day, he seems mentions like, the same thing. Yeah, but it seems like mm-hmm. you have, if you have one song on your album that's not gospel, you know, you have one Juice, you have one Cocoa Butter Kisses. Kind of scratches the whole you're thing. Not, you're <laughs> like, not gospel, right? Like, right. It's unfortunately is why, religion is, is very like black and white, <laughs> insular, right? And which yeah. is my ultimate criticism of it. 
Like I was literally about to say, we've had so many conversations about how yeah. religion colors a black and white world. I wish like, I wish our conversations about nav would be as respectful as our conversations about religion. Like <laughs> no, 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 no. I would much rather have respectful religion conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. than anything. <laughs> oh no, I agree, but I'm just saying I wish we could <laughs> give ourselves the same respect that we do when we talk about that awful Indian rapper that we do when we talk about the metaphysics Look, of the universe. Like, <laughs> we we had a, we have to have some kind of controversy. Yeah, Come they, on. <laughs> yeah, Batman Superman got to fight sometime. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to happen eventually. Um but but like it, it's true. It is very true. The comment with the chance to rapper. Another thing I was thinking about is Peter Cottontail who he oh, associates he's great. with. Yeah, I'm so pissed I missed him at La La La. Phenomenal. Yeah. Would have been phenomenal as an example, but yes, the, those are the gospel albums. Three very different takes. If you are a listener, if you're interested in the playlist, check it out. You will be able to tell the difference between each one. You know who I'm surprised you didn't include? Who? Fred Hammond. Uh, he is extremely high on my list. Um, yeah. If I'm being honest, I just did... the top three that came to mind right away because they were all very instinctively different if i was to do a fred hammond it would be to replace like a marvin Sapp because they are essentially in the same vein being a very basic white man being a very basic white man (laughs) jesus is king exposed me to who fred hammond was and that song hands on he's got a banging feature and i was very interested you're not wrong you're not wrong at all fred happened if you hey the fact that you said fred happened you take you take all the all the flowers, everything. You you know gospel music, yeah. so a little bit, little you, bit. You fully deserve that. I had a I had a coworker back when I worked for bus and train company, who um, sweetest woman. Her name was Christine. Super friendly, super religious. Yep. South super South Chicago. Baptist a nice old black lady. <laughs> yep, and I would walk over to her cubicle sometimes, and she'd have her earbuds in, and she'd be like mouthing along with her eyes closed, like going like this and shit. And, and I would, and I would just yep. stand there. I would just stand there, and she'd go. Oh. <laughs> so you met my mom. <laughs> some, you some met every black lady I know. Some incarnation of yeah, iconic, and that's just like yeah, such a fun vibe. You will definitely find a uh, praise worshiper at one of your corporate offices just jamming yeah. out to gospel. <laughs> yeah. Power to them. All right, Brandon, let, let, let's jump right back into rock music. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, like, I did, I did go, like, a little bit of a different way because, like, every one of my albums are, like, a little bit of a different flavor from rock. Because, like, that's what I kind of wanted to do is I kind of wanted to give you, like, a little bit more of a Rosetta Stone to be, like, these are, like, the different manifestations of this. So we should just start with like probably one of my f- probably my favorite rap album to come out after the year two thousand. Uh, yeah. Alabama Shakes, Sound and Color. This is a good album. This is a yeah. I, I know album. you haven't explained it. I know you haven't broken it down. Out of all the rock albums, I'm not gonna lie. This one got me. Did you? I was listen, like, did, are you? Good. Were you aware of these before? Uh, referring to your three albums or just Alabama the album Shakes. Shakes? Oh, the Alabama, the Alabama Shakes. Alabama Shakes. Um, Alabama Shakes, never heard of it. Don't know who okay. it is. I heard the Have two songs. Have you Googled the band? it was phenomenal. No, 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 I heard the two songs and I was yeah. like, this is really good, but I like had to keep listening to the rest of them. Would you be surprised that it's the only rock band with a, a black female singer? Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, no, this, I appreciate that. Yeah, so this is like very classic, like Southern rock, uh, really heavy uh, blues influence, but not a traditional blues sound. It's very grimy. It's very overdriven. It's not like in your face like metal music, but it's rough and coarse. And yeah, no, I just think this album is just. 12 tracks of incredible like rock instrumentation just amazing mm. grooves calling back to like the the classic eras of rock like the 50s and 60s and Brittany Howard is one of the best singers ever she uh, uh give me all your love that the the chorus to that Jesus mm-hmm. Christ yeah I, I mean so I just had to recommend these just because, like, one, I wanted to show that, like, like R&B, which I, I think is a, when we think about genres we, me and Purvis listen to that aren't rock, R&B is probably number two for both of us. Um, Easily, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I kind of wanted to showcase, like, rock can be a platform for a truly powerful singer just as much as R&B. Okay. No, I'm fully sold on Alabama Shakes, for being honest. I had not heard of them before this. As soon as I hit your playlist, playlist is the first two songs. Immediately put me in the zone to like, okay, I'm listening to music and I'm enjoying all of it. I'm going to discover new things. Everything that like I heard was phenomenal. You bringing up the singing, absolutely agree with that. It, as someone who's an outsider, it didn't feel like I was listening to rock, was it, which... It's, oh, that's it's a lot. So, like, how did it? It's a lot to say that. How did it feel to you? It that? felt more natural, just like in general. I, I, it's hard to put like a. It didn't feel what kind of genres. Yeah, no, it didn't feel like okay. I have to like really learn about new things right now. It was kind of like I've I familiarize I familiarize myself with this. I enjoy everything that I'm hearing. I'm willing to hear more. <laughs> yeah, no, this album, excellent start. So I'm curious then, within rock music, because we we talk about hip-hop nonstop on this podcast. When we think about, like, exactly, when we think about, like, a classic hip-hop album, we say things like concepts and themes and et cetera. Is there a reoccurring topic? Is there a story here? Or is it literally just, like, 12 hits? It's an exploration of a sound. You know, I, I would say that. Like, it's less a concept and more, like, kind of like exploring this southern rock rock blues plat like old old like 60s and 70s r&b not like 90s or even modern r&b like it's i would say it's more of an exploration of that sound right now concept albums were more or less like kind of invented by rock musicians I was literally about to say does it even exist in the genre no like concept they're a lot like Hip hop right now probably has more concept albums than any genre ever. Uh, but they, the origins of the concept album is in uh, rock, right? The Metallica album I showed you was a concept album. Uh, right, right. That whole three albums. Yeah, and then all, take it back yeah. even further, like Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, yeah. Uh, Rush, Twenty One Twelve, uh, Sergeant Pepper's. Sergeant uh, Pepper's is a great example. You know, so like. This specific one, Alabama Shakes, no, they don't. They don't really have uh, 
concept albums, you know? And it, it's more just like 12 tracks, kind of like exploring different kinds of production, different kinds of styles. Like, you'll notice that, like, her voice is mixed very differently on different songs. And, you know, it's kind of... I, I don't like it equally across the album, but it's an interesting collection of songs that I think overall makes for a great experience. So, with, with all that being said, I am genuinely curious. I won't answer myself because I'm obviously more experienced in hip-hop. But for you two, we've discussed previously how better hip-hop albums are more conceptual. For rock albums, do you want a concept? Or are you okay with just 12 bankers? Because in hip-hop, sometimes we get 12 bangers and we're not happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because, like, with hip-hop, I feel like it depends. I mean, in some ways, I think, like, it's it's kind of the same exact story in that a concept album is it's another vector for success and or failure, right? I think about an album like Green Day's American Idiot, which, like, is above average sonically, maybe even very good, not great. But it has an incredible concept, and that like brings it over the finish line. And then you have their album after that. I think it's called 21st Century Breakdown. Yes. Exact opposite, right? Songs on it are fine. It's not sonically terrible, but the concept's just so bad that it brings the entire experience down, right? Now, once again, like, yeah, we get like the in hip hop when you get like the non conceptual album and it just doesn't satisfy, sometimes it's because like, it's two songs done 12 times, you know, like very true. You know, very and, true. and also like that happens in rock, you know, like, and I would say maybe even more frequently, you know, I was like, literally about to say, I feel like it would even occur it, me even it, more often. It would oh. like a uh, hot take. I think the red hot chili peppers are a great example of that. Every album. Jump. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to jump in here for a second to add to this. I think it's really hard to compare these two because the timeline that you're on where you have very different media factors that drive what is popular. So I think, especially for classic rock, rock from, say, 1960 to now, or say 1960 to 1995, I think that a lot of what you're describing in two songs being done 12 times has kind of settled to the bottom of the, the, the tide pool that is rock music. And a lot of that stuff has been more or less forgotten. A lot of the old stuff. So I, I think that you don't see it as much in the older stuff as you do in stuff that is now perpetuated by social media and is, you know, contemporary in that sense. I think you you're seeing a rise in that kind of filler rock in a way. Uh, I, just I with strongly the disagree. Medium. You think so? Strongly. A C D C has made two Why? songs. Well, yeah, I mean, there are outliers. There are outliers. Well, these are not, this is, ACDC is not an outlier. They're one of the most popular rock bands in the world. Uh, I would say you can say the same thing about Aerosmith. You know, I I think there's a. Well, yeah, but you look at like, look at, look at like Hendrix and Pink Floyd versus like Ram Jam and, you know, one hit wonders are one hit wonders. But a lot of them, a lot of those one hit wonders that, you know, made it, made the same song. And that's why they're one hit wonders. Sure, but what I'm I'm just saying that like there are plenty of examples of like albums that are um clearly uh corporate products before anything else going oh, yeah. back to the 60s and 70s. No, of course. Which that, I think results fair. in the same thing, right? Like I think Aerosmith is a great example. They have 
you know, between all their albums, they probably have 30 classic songs, but they have 20 albums and they all have 15 songs. And I don't know a single person alive, including people who listen to exclusively rock that could like name all their songs. Right. ACDC is famous for this. They do the same thing. Once again, like, yeah, I think social media and like just the breaking down of barriers that came with the internet age has definitely exasper- exasperated that. But I, I, I think it's just not, I think it's an older phenomenon than that. I think it's an older phenomenon, but I think that time has eroded public awareness sure, of certain that, albums that, sure, that, that do that egregiously. Sure, but that doesn't mean that they didn't happen. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying that like, I, think, I think the examples that you do find in rock are a little further and fewer between in, in the earlier stuff because there's been time for stuff to kind of become forgotten about sure. in that way. Sure. And the other thing is that like it, the, the underground scene was in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s er, eroded the time a lot faster than anything modern is going to just because of like how things were stored and archived and stuff. Like tapes degrade so fast. Yeah. Like I was actually going to ask because I'm curious. And if I fully understood your both takes, because again, I don't fully understand like the album or the genre like that. I would say being an outsider gives you a unique opinion, not an uh, yeah, an invalid one. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just curious then because as technology has advanced, obviously streaming numbers, exposure, everything has just ramped up. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's more? concerning or impressive to what you all are discussing if it happened back then just because back then i feel like they if something was mass produced or corporatized or whatever term you want to use um is it more impressive to do it back then because everything's word of mouth back then and if you really like album you had to buy a record which costs twenty dollars compared to Ten dollars for unlimited music on Spotify per month, yeah. or even it's like a totally if, different. If you scopes. bought it digitally, it's like six or seven. No? That's what I'm saying. It, it, it's literally yeah, two even... totally different levels of field of play. Like the one conversation that always comes up, I feel like when you're discussing music, even though this cause this cross genres, in my opinion, don't get me wrong, Drake streaming numbers are absurd. It it's ridiculous if you really sit down and look at the streaming numbers. He is so far above everyone else, it does not make sense. He is a global phenomenon. He is a household name in places that don't even have internet. But yet, Michael Jackson did this without the internet. So is it more impressive? Does it give it more leverage? I think in that exact example, yes. That's a very uh, specific one. Yeah, now. that's a very specific example. But you know, but my those th- are the two biggest names you can think of, at least in our sure. generation. Who's bigger than Drake? Sure. I well, think... it depends on also to who, you know, like there are absolutely yeah. two people who, if I'm using the examples of the two bands I listed, Aerosmith and ACDC, you know, there are certainly a lot of people to those groups would be a lot more, you know, immediate. Bigger names. Maybe, maybe not more than Michael Jackson, but certainly way more than Drake. Like, right. And again, this is crossing genres. So we're talking about everybody. Yeah. And industries, even in a way. Because when did. For example, some of the bands you just named, I know the bands, but I don't know the ACDC, Metallica, any other name, Aerosmith that you guys came up with. These are people before 2000s, correct? 
Yeah, so like yes, AC DC and Aerosmith. So are these are even like, modern people? That's what I'm saying. Like those are before the internet. No, and that's really the existed. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get across here is like the two genres are not directly comparable because one has we're going on a hundred years of history, maybe a little more than, and has existed long before the internet with very different means of distribution and, and you know, listening. Like radio has been such a factor in the history of rock and roll that it just has not existed for hip hop in the same way. And so has the, the, the pressure or the development of the label, the label industry as just a, you know, a force for distribution of music, your, your distribution channels back then word of mouth, you know, just started to develop more so, but like, if you're looking at music from like the fifties, you're looking at labels, giving music to radio stations, radio stations playing said music. That's your distribution channel. So there's a much narrower frame of reference for people who are interested in music at that time, with the exception of just localized, you know, what people are playing down at the corner store or whatever it is. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's just such a difference between these. I think it is more impressive now if an artist or rather if an artist did say have that kind of status then because they not only were you know promoted by a label but then that somehow managed to grow a following that was less organic at the start but then became organic because that's kind of like the trajectory when you don't have the internet to you know snowball things that being said i think consumers today are much more savvy and much more you know careful with their time so i think if albums that do have lots of filler for example become popular now it's more concerning because maybe people don't recognize, you know, the album for what it may be. But, you know, I, I think it's easier to fall down the hole of this is really good music because I like it and because the radio said it was good in nineteen seventy five than it is in twenty twenty three. I think I, I think everything you say is one hundred percent correct. Uh how I, I do think though like an album as like a creative work. I, I do think, like, you can kind of remove every, as much as you can of that, especially, I think, you talk about distribution and consumption and everything. I think especially those economic factors, I, I think if we're going to be comparing across any genres, I think we just kind of have to omit those and just talk yeah. about, like, top line, like, the creative, you know? Yeah. So, like, no, that's... that's and that's, like, really what I'm getting at. I don't deny that uh the the rev the the internet revolution even you know decades before streaming took off like i don't deny the impact that had but i i just think like creatively like there are some trends that i think ha occur regardless of the conditions that they are created no that's fair yeah you know uh let's move on to the second one because we're already at it. two hours uh, yeah. let's keep <laughs> I, moving my next Jesus. one Christ. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm fine. We may have to take a break, but I'm, we might I'm, just have to edit this down a little bit too. I I we'll think see. I think we'll be fine. I'm I'm the one who has to deal with the upload, so I'm not worried. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had to cut much, so no, we're good. My next Alice one, Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. Uh, from the song from the album Dirt, a a fundamental grunge album. So grunge was a movement from the early '90s. The most popular band in grunge is by far Nirvana. Yes. Uh, right. I'm sure you've heard of Nirvana. I'm sure you know of Kurt Cobain, right? This is my person. I mean, besides Nirvana, because I do love Nirvana. Who doesn't? 
But like besides Nirvana, I think this is probably the best grunge band. I think the their willingness to delve into really specifically dark kind of territory and the way the music reinforces that, you know? Like we always talk about like with the Griselda record, how like the cold, chilling elements of the beat like reinforce like the killer bars. I think it's a similar phenomenon here where like the darkness of the music compacts the darkness of the songs, right? Of the lyrics. And the three songs I chose, I I thought gave like a pretty, I I chose three for this one because I felt like I couldn't break it down to just two. I chose Them Bones, which I think posits one of the most existentially terrifying questions of all time, which is just like, how do you deal with the fact that even if you believe in an afterlife, this body that you experience your world through, like, will one day just be a pile of bones? And it's just like, oh, that's... That's eye-opening. That's... Because it's true. Like, purpose. Yeah. When you die and go to heaven... That is true. Regardless of religion, that is true. Yeah, and it's like... My body will be left. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and then you have Rooster, which is a... uh, About the Vietnam War. And I always really love the title. Because it comes from how in Vietnam they don't have eagles. So the 151st Airborne, they have eagles on their straps. So the Viet Cong, they they don't know what eagles are. So they would point at and call them roosters. So when they say like... That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so when they say here comes the rooster, they're talking about like the American forces. And then Wood, which is about heroin addiction, which ultimately took the life of the front man of Alice in Chains. Right? Oh. And... You know, I just, I love the darkness. What can I say? Like, I, I don't want to break down. I want to get you guys' uh, reactions to this. Alice in Chains, I would say, out of the three that I, I knew the, la- the least, I will say the third person, I actually knew them. <laughs> I knew the whole album. I, I knew um, that, Alice yeah. in Chains, <clears throat> if your take is, like, dark, definitely felt that. <laughs> Um, it, it was hard for me to kind of grasp the gravity of everything because, like, I didn't know the backstory. Everything you just said about like breaking down Vietnam War and cocaine and all this other stuff, like, I did not know it, it went that deep. I feel like this is the concept album yeah. that I was looking for previously. Yeah, because it just deals with those dark questions. And like, mm. I was looking at the lyrics like while I was like suggesting these. And it's crazy, because, like, Them Bones, like, it has, like, maybe 22 songs. Like, 22 words. Like, it just has a very sparse amount of actual lyrics. And it gets that mm. that very existential issue across. I think that's interesting. Yeah, it, that's a really dope, like, idea that even exists. Because I, I do recall when you had me listen to Metallica, that was one thing that I pointed out where I was like... It's not much words. Like it's a lot of just instrumental like feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Jazz. Jasper, how how do you feel about it? I like. I'm this sure one. you're familiar. Um, yeah. I, I'm familiar with Alice in Chains. It takes me back to the day, the glory days of playing, um, you know, Man on the Box on Rock Band Two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I like it a lot. I I think that the. I think this is as close as you can get to metal in the grunge genre without spilling over, and I think that that's dope because it's unique. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anything really comes close. I think that the only thing that keeps this from being metal is like the speed 
and the vocal energy being very low as opposed to yeah. you know if it were, if it were raised and if if it were faster i think it would make super solid metal um but yeah i really like them bones rooster was was good um i didn't necessarily pick up on the meeting just listening to it through because i was i was pretty focused on yeah the uh instrumentation but and also with with that vocal style it's difficult to pick things out unless you're really listening to it for yeah 100 percent. So. yeah i'm not gonna yeah hold anyone against that i forget the guy's the dude's name he's an incredible singer but like he's yeah. particularly hard to pull the words apart Yes, uh, but I think that's kind of the style. You know, grunge has that kind of slurry effect. Look at, like, Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I enjoy the three, and I think I think Wood, honestly, has, like, very unique instrumentation for what I would expect on an Alice in Change project. Yeah. I mean, I'm a sucker for a killer bass line. Yeah, it's got that. And it's got that, <laughs> you know? Like, it's... And, and like, you know, that's that's what I love about it. And, like... Yeah, I don't really got much more else but, to say about this one. I think it speaks for itself. Definitely. Yeah, the next one I I had shown Purvis this before. Rise so against. I kinda, yeah. yeah, rise. It's against. funny. Funny enough, I I know Rise Against like even before yeah. you. Yeah, it's, well, they're a local bands. White so friends like, from high school, but yeah, 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 I was about to say I think it's because yeah. they're Chicago band. <laughs> yeah, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, it's a band I felt like i don't talk about a lot on this show despite being one of my favorite bands of all time so i wanted to use this as an opportunity just to talk about them mm -hmm. uh the thing is like whereas rise against i do think the albums do work as like albums i think they have a small case of that playlistification kind of issue going on yeah. you know uh where like they're you know you put a playlist of all the great rise against songs on it's a really long playlist but with a few exceptions, I don't really listen to their albums all the way through, but this one just had so many just gems of like 2008 era, like hardcore punk. And the other thing is that like, I like political messaging in my music. I like music that is a call to action. I like music that is meant to illuminate and pro uh, provocate. I've, I've learned a lot about the world that I feel like, is kind of kept from us through listening to music and like the questions and like answering the questions the music pose. And that's why I recommended this. Yeah. The song's re-education through labor, which is pretty, pretty intense title. And then audience of one, which I felt like when we were talking earlier about purpose, talking about how rock is just like this great venue for live performance. This song is an example. I think of that really working because it scales so well, like it feels like so big, but then you listen to a version of this song where it's just the guy on guitar, just like one guy with the acoustic guitar, and it's great. It's like, hmm. I fully agree, honestly. Everything you said wraps it up perfectly. Luckily enough, I do know Rise Against prior to actually, like, you pulling this here. Um, I've enjoyed their music for a while. Obviously, I feel like because I have that outside view, I don't understand the concept as much or i don't pick up on it immediately while listening to it but like now that you break it down that way, like i can absolutely see everything you just said like occurring in these albums yeah so i enjoyed it at least That's jasper did you already know the man yeah, I'm I'm familiar. I, I liked it too. Um, I really like Audience of One. I think of the two tracks, that's my preferred. But I gotta say, you know, I know comparing artists is tough and not always fair. But I think personally, 
of the three that you brought for artists and albums, I think that this is my least favorite of the three. Not from a, a negative standpoint, but just because I think that the vocal performances on, you know, Alex and Chains and Alabama Shakes outshine this a little bit Oof. in that sense. Yeah, so here's the thing. I have a very high opinion of Tim, the singer of Rise Against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but... You put him against the singer from Alice in Chains and Brittany Howard from yeah he's third every single time yeah so like I, I yeah I I have a very, fairly high opinion of dude but yeah you, that's completely fair yeah I enjoyed it I think that it's just that like when you put him up against something that sounds that unique it, it kind of almost makes it feel less special than it is when it yeah. is like very technically skilled um, but I, I agree with what you said about the playlist effect and I think that. The more modern equivalent of that at this point right now, I think that Fallout Boy has experienced that exact same thing on a smaller scale. One hundred percent. And also, you know, local kind of fan favorite type deal. No. Playlist effect, one hundred percent. You've 100%. got like hits that go on the playlist, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like I listened to their last album, Mania, and I'm like, I like two of these songs. And I yeah. listen to those two songs probably once a week. Have yeah. not opened up that that album's not even in my library. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm actually um. I'm curious, but before we finish talking about rock, there actually is an album coming out this week. Paramore is coming out with This Is Why. So oh, Paramore, yeah. Paramore rock? Paramore is rock. They're kind of like yeah. more poppy punk kind of thing. And Haley Williams definitely makes it skew a lot more towards pop. But they're a very well-respected pop punk crew. Okay. Yeah. But. All right. Shall we move on, Jasper, to your... In your next genre, which we had me feel in some type of way. This was a fun one. I gotta say, of the three genres that I picked, the projects in this genre mean the most to me of the three. I, uh, in terms of like my overall, with the exception of like one later on, overall life and like listening time, these definitely take the cake. So my my second genre is just like electro electronic, and I've got couple different picks uh two albums by the same group and then one that's independent so my first pick was uh the album Aleph by Gasafelstein and Gasafelstein is an artist who I think has just not received his flowers despite having I think a really profound impact on the industry as a whole and also on just like the the kind of like the 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 way that music has shifted over the last 10 years so for those of you who don't know, Gasafelstein is this very, very intense electronic, almost industrial electronic artist who makes a lot of purely instrumental music. And that was one of the driving influences. And he also served as a producer for Yeezus, which is one of my favorite hip hop albums, regardless of what's happened currently with Kanye and everything going on. I think Yeezus as a as an album, it is impossible to overstate the effect it had on like my my tastes and preferences when it came to music, because that was the point where I made the shift from, you know, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is the gold standard for what I like because it's all of X Y and Z, and went to Yeezus in that it's perfect yeah, yeah but then what's <laughs> going to Yeezus in all that it isn't, and, and you know how mm. how the negative space makes an album you can say more with saying less sometimes. And that's where I kind of have sat ever since that in yeah. this in this channel of like, I really value music and projects where you can say a lot with very little 
both musically and, you know, vocally. Um, which is, you know, Pusha T and everything that derives from that that I enjoy, I think, comes from that. Gus Offelstein produced a lot of tracks on on Yeezus. And if you look at the album artwork for Aleph, Yeezus' album artwork is directly ripped or influenced by it literally is. Aleph's album artwork. <laughs> and this is one of the goddamn hardest albums I've ever heard. Yeah. I hope... Y- I hope when you guys listen to it, just hearing Pursuit after coming out of the D4, it's like, man, you thought the D4 went hard? Listen to this shit, because, yeah, it's just, it's something totally different. Nothing else sounds like it, and I'm, it's like, it's good for anything. I listen to it when I'm biking, working out, just like doing chores, like whatever. It's just, it hits for me. So I I hope you guys (laughs) kind of took something from it aside from it being just like super aggressive. Dude, this is, I, I liked it a lot. (laughs) I had a very different takeaway from it. So the first thing Mm -hmm. I want to bring up actually is just because you're right. This is the cover is such a a take on Yeezus. I didn't even know until you just said that. Yeah, this came out first. And then this came out. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, Yeah. I, this came out after. Wait, Oh, I'm sorry. So no, the the projects were worked on like at the same time. Yeah. But the, oh, the, was this this one. cover art was first, and then Virgil and Kanye worked yeah. the Yeezus art after this. Yeah, because like, Yeezus came out like four months earlier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I gotta be honest. My first takeaway from this was like, this is some sex club music. This is like <laughs> real dark, real thumpy, and like the thing is that like. <laughs> I I loved it a lot. Like, dude, don't give. It's very like pulsing. I like, I fuck with some heavy synth, dude. Yeah, I have a bro. I literally I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> about like the Samurai Jack scene in the future. He's in a nightclub, and I just just mention this album just going. To... I have a playlist called Power Synth that's yeah. full of shit like this. All yeah. right. So like, don't <laughs> this is what I picture like... Amsterdam. Nick. It's like, yeah, <laughs> not Atlanta. This is the red light district. This sounds like cool hell. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's it's doom. It's the music from doom for people who don't just want to listen to pure metal. Yeah, no, it's and like to me, like I, I didn't have like a very minimal reaction to this. I thought it was like white maximal in a way, but I loved it. I loved how like the vibe is like immediate. I think of yeah. all the albums that have, like we sampled, like between the eighteen I got between you and Purvis, this is the one I'm most eager to go back and listen to in its entirety. Yeah. So I, I gotta I say, like this a lot. Yeah, the minimal section I guess doesn't necessarily apply as much to the tracks that I picked, but there are a lot of tracks that kind of reside in between these that definitely take the energy down before letting it build back up. So that's like, cool. there's a track yeah. called there's a track called Wall of Memories that's yeah. very minimal. That kind of serves as almost like an interlude, but it's almost four minutes long. Yeah. And that's like breather. Yeah. <laughs> very calm. Yeah. Compared. And so there are like these moments of just like kind of drifting through space almost in the sense of like where the album goes. I will probably be listening to this in an hour when we're done with this episode. Uh, but so good. I, no, it is easily not to insult the rest of everyone's music, but it's easily the one I'm most eager to go and listen to. Uh, but yeah, it's it felt like. In a in a good way, in a way I enjoyed. It sound, felt like a wall of sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Purvis, what did you think? So questions, comments, vicious attacks? No, 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 no attacks. Um, you bringing up Jesus definitely changed my perspective. 
Um, yeah, this this guy, like Jesus' entire sound is based around the sound that this it, guy pioneered. It, this is literally, it, it's insane. The connection, just just because I don't know of a lot of albums that blend between hip hop and electric music. <laughs> um, like, of course, there, there are a select few, but this would definitely stand out as one that is unique to me. Um, in the first listening to it, it's a lot of energy. And I feel like the high energy things that like I'm used to that you're also familiar with is like yeet. That's what I think of like high energy. <laughs> oh, but but so it's can, interesting can see, like getting yeah. this. Can you see the progress where it's like something like this that influences Jesus that then creates a love of mine for like oh hip hop that has industrial sound and then like yeet being like a pop extension of that. It's like there's like a direct kind of chain. Yes, I, I fully am picturing everything together, like throw in um, some Playboy Cardi. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Absolutely fits in the bridge. Like, 100%. I, I now see how it's all flowing within each other. So I, I definitely appreciate this a lot more now, bridging the gaps between the genres. Yeah, so I'll go back and listen to it. Yeah. I, don't know if, if, I don't know if either of you are on a Kanye pause, but if you just go listen to like New Slaves and like, the way new slave I sounds new slave is so much is directly like the, yeah. the synth everything about the instrumentation on that is this pretty yeah. much like this album is an extension all right also the opening track just like straight up oh, that yeah. super intense synth at the start yeah um Jesus Christ. Well, tell on. me about uh yeah. daft punk the yeah extremely yeah. well-known yeah. artist yeah. these, <laughs> My... these albums i'm very familiar with and they're classics they yeah, are, and I had just the guy, name. Yeah. I feel like I know them. <laughs> I had to, I had to include them. Uh, I I couldn't I couldn't otherwise. Spoiler um, alert! Not the only time we're going to talk about Daft Punk. Like, <laughs> yeah, believe me. <laughs> um, probably, yeah, definitely the most listening time of anything else on this list for me are these two albums. Uh, first, first things first, we're going to talk Discovery. Discovery is, in my opinion, one of, if not the greatest album of the 21st century so far. Uh, just throwing it out there as far as like th- that genre and also just music in general for me. It's a respectable um, take. Yeah, it's there's just nothing else like it. Nobody did it like this before. No one's really done it like this afterwards. Um, you're talking. It it's it's like the it's like to me it's like the nevermind of the genre in that every song hits. It's got accompanying media that is just like super super good, and you have this it's like this this sound that just never ages i feel like nirvana in that way has captured a very timeless sound within grunge i think that daft punk did that specifically for for the genre for electronic and dance at the time yeah um and i picked one more time in aerodynamic because those are the starter tracks off the album and they flow directly into each other and yeah if do, do yourself a favor everybody who's listening right now watch interstellar 5555 if you have not i watched because that, that is like two months ago it's so yeah good. it's so much fun that is a project fully animated music film that goes along directly with the album and ties in directly with everything so it cr- takes some uh, a project that has basically no narrative on its own and supplements a narrative over it and does it in just this really beautiful, well, well tied in way. Something just, you know, ahead of its time, I think. 
I, I, I honestly you. think both, yeah, both albums. I get the same vibes from both albums in just the name alone. I don't even have to know <laughs> what electric music is or have any experience prior to this. I know who Daft Punk is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's such a, a I know who Daft you, Punk is. <laughs> if you listened to Kanye at any point in the 2010s, you know who Daft Punk is because Stronger it, exists. Yeah, it, exactly. That that yeah. will be the direct connection to the podcast. But just in general, like I just feel like if you enjoy music, if if yeah. you are alive and have touch grass, you, yeah, you know you what like Daft the, Punk is. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, like and, and it's hard to not enjoy this music. And like Daft Punk just feels like a celebration of like music itself. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. So it, they managed to do that with every project in a yeah, different way. I yeah. Because like I even think Ram is a really, really strong project. Like I, I, I go back and forth on like if I, I like Ram or Discovery more. Me too, to be honest. Uh, I think that Discovery as like a pure distillation of what this genre is, is like perfect. Yeah. I think Ram is very much a love letter to the music that influenced them. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, and like, and I also think Discovery is probably a little bit more innovative. Even though yeah. like... Oh, for sure. Yeah, even though I think all of Daft Punk's stuff is like innovative in a way, you know, like they just completely set the tone for early 2000s. For everything good, yeah. by the way. Uh and like when yeah. you get to Human After All, like Human After All and Homework, like to me, I have them in like a like they're like an A tier. They're not S tier to me, but they're A tier. Yeah. But you picked like some tracks that like I Human After All is one of the projects I forget about. Like I forget, I know it exists, but like Human After All does not get the flowers it deserves. This album was pan when it came out because people were expecting Discovery Part Two. And Daft Punk did what they do, which is pivot and make and make something new, and that brings oh. me to what's up. Sorry, I was actually that's that's one thing I was actually going to talk about because yeah. don't get me wrong, I enjoyed everything mm-hmm. between the, or the samples that I've heard from both albums. I've enjoyed everything I've heard from Daft Punk. Yeah. Now, what I would say, as someone as an as an outsider, Random Access Memories, mm-hmm. I know way more than the other two. Yeah, well, yeah. it came out oh, when it's first. It's so the most streamed. To discover music. Yeah, it, it, the other ones just came out like pretty, like when you were probably like nine. I was five. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say so. It's more of a timing <laughs> thing. I would, yeah. or is it like better? Yeah. I mean, okay. I I think a, a a lot of people I know who like fucked with Daft Punk like at the time of discovery. You know, like I know most of those people also love Ram. Like it's not like it's like a millennial thing to prefer that one but yeah no it's certainly timing like discovery was a moment when it drops okay so someone who's gone back jasper mm-hmm. i am forced to rank things like kendrick albums and yes. j cole albums yes ranked all of their albums here mm-hmm. what's the best what's the worst what oh, should yeah. be excluded because there's normally at least one <laughs> Are we talking about these three Daft Punk albums, or are we talking about everything together? Because there are more. The yeah. ones that matter. The ones that matter. Yeah. Like, in reality. Because, like, okay, don't get me wrong. All of Kendrick Lamar's albums matter. But if you ask me, like, rank J. Cole's album, if you tell me to, like, throw in the sideline story or, like, the beginning yeah. stuff, it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to put it last. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. If you tell me gotcha. to rank Drake albums, I'm not going to care about one of the EPs that came out in 2022 or 2020. It yeah, matter. like Care Package. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, 
it's tough. I mean, let me let me pull up the discography just so I can actually like, look at everything here. Because um, I know they did Tron, which I'm assuming we're gonna get to later. <laughs> well, so for the sake of for the sake of simplicity, I'm gonna exclude live albums from this. Although Alive 2007 is probably, in my opinion, also the best live album of all time. <laughs> um, let That's me just. Yeah, I know it's a take. I personally like Forest Hill Drive, but I mean, that's... no live, album. <laughs> no like live, like a performance oh, okay, okay. live that was recorded at like uh, a. No, like there a is one on on Spotify. Forest Hill Drive. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know it's that. Really good. It's really good. <laughs> okay, so if I had to rank them, going from I'd say top to bottom, for me personally, it's going to be Discovery at one, and then it's going to be. Random access memories slightly eking out human after all, but only by just the slightest of margins, just because I think ran- looking at their career now that they've separated, random access memories really is the the perfect send off in a way. Um, after that, I would have to put the Tron Legacy soundtrack because that project is, you know, in so many ways just uh timeless in a way that the film is not and it's really interesting to see if a score from a film really really outlive the media that it was made to accompany that's just something that you don't see and i think that that's super commendable after that i put homework uh homework is extremely important in like what french house not even french house but just you know french club music was and then became and also like they kind of pioneered a sound there as well but I don't think it has the staying power because it is very much bops to put on in the background that are purely instrumental and don't feature the complexity of a lot of things that came later. Yeah. It's, it's um, the one that's like least refined for their sounds. Yeah. And it's their first like full yeah. album made available. So it kind of shows, but then just below that, in my opinion, and I think this is controversial with people who are really into Daft Punk, I would put Daft Club below that, to be honest. Deaf Club is basically a remix album where they published a list of remixes of songs from Discovery as uh, done by all these different artists and put it together in a collection. It came out two years after Discovery. Um, I think that there's some fine work on here. Not everything lands. And I don't think it has the cultural capital or the, the, the mass appeal that even Homework did as something that was less refined just because... It came out in a, at a point where people were excited to hear what the next, the next new thing by Daft Punk was, not a remix collection. So for me, I would put that last. That's totally Interesting. fair. But yeah, that's my list. All right. I'm literally looking at it. Didn't know it was even a French duo. Just, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Guy Manuel de Omem Cristo <laughs> and Thomas Bengaltier are the two guys. And I probably butchered that. I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> those are the two boys. They're they've been That's around forever and made some incredible things together. So yeah. my favorite duo of all time. They're really quite something special. We yeah, will I know people out. people love Outcast, but for me, my favorite duo of all time. I know Def Punk is probably <laughs> the best the best one I've heard besides Outcast. I'll keep it real. I was gonna say if you're gonna put competition to Outcast, you came appropriately. Yeah, <laughs> Def Punk yeah. really is like the best one. <laughs> Purvis, we want right. alternative R and B. Yes. Now this oh, is into... real quick. Can I just say another word about uh, Human After All? Because we didn't really talk about that one. Yeah, sure. yeah. I just want to say, like, it didn't get its, like I said, it didn't get its flowers. It went in like a harder, more industrial, 
path that people didn't like at the time, but I think it's really aged well. And there's a lot of cuts on there that people overlook, which is why I picked Make Love as like a very low key track, yeah, but that one, one that's really beautiful. Yeah. One that's really beautiful, though, like when you listen to it, uh, even out of the context of the album, and just an album worth going back and listening to again, just knowing what we know now and and how we feel about the the space that you know even hip hop is in, using some of these raw, angrier sounds. This kind of has a place in that, in my opinion. But yeah, definitely. I'm gonna dive into some more Daft Punk then. Yeah, no Daft Punk. Yeah, uh, do yourself a favor. I bet. Well, I will go ahead and jump into our turn of R&B. I'll go through this a little bit quicker, just because like I feel like all these names we all know. Yeah. Um, it was nice I'm to not... be able to like actually sit down and listen to them, though. Yes, it was. It, it's a nice refresher, and I wanted to include all three of these albums because I think the artists themselves are fairly familiar to those who are even just within hip-hop, the original genre of the podcast um i'm not gonna lie brandon made me change frank ocean blonde for <laughs> for we talk about the, frank ocean all the time it's i like, would consider, consider that to have enough elements of of hip-hop on it to be considered like an r&b hip-hop exactly album. Yeah. That, and that's why we didn't include it because yeah. we uh have preached blonde far too much and we want to spare our listeners yeah. so i went into my bag <laughs> And I wanted to discuss Sampha. I'm um, so happy you brought in Sampha. Like, I yes. am very... Because I wept listening to No One Knows Me <laughs> Like the Piano. So, yeah, that, that, that's actually what I was going to get into because I feel like R&B is almost a lost art in our generation. It's almost always alternative R&B because I feel like traditional R&B is very... When I think about R&B, there's two major R&Bs. There's lovemaking and then that that is like very straightforward in terms of the purpose of the genre and then there's moments appreciating where it's just like it's more about making a moment which i feel alternative r&b is more focused on when it's not toxic so i try to avoid all of the toxic alternative r&b and yeah. the first one i want to talk about is sampha um if you do not know who sampha is you are incorrect you definitely know who he is because he has been featured exactly he has been <laughs> featured with so many artists um that i know you listen to whether it be beyonce kendrick lamar last year frank ocean who i just mentioned kanye the the list goes on um sanford is probably one of the most talented singers in the music industry i, I would push it that far just because he has a very unique sound he does not have a long discography himself, but he has released the album Process. And I wanted to include this one because, like I said, it's not that traditional R&B. So if you are not one that's fond with love <laughs> and things of that topic, because that that's a real thing that people literally just feel different they feel love different ways. This is a very unique example of R&B that's more passionate that isn't exactly saying like, I love you, but can translate it in different formats. And so the sample songs that I threw in here for the playlist is Nobody Knows Me Like the Piano. This song is so powerful and it, it's very simplistic. It It's everything you want to bring out in emotion. Um, even Brandon. 
you text me the other day, which I did not expect you to be like, this song almost made me cry. And like, that's good. That's the emotion I feel like you should get out of R&B. So I threw that one in there. I threw in Timmy's prayer in there as well, because the unique thing about Sanfa, he also falls underneath Neo Soul. He falls underneath a touch of electronic. So it's a very unique perspective on R&B. So that's why I wanted to include this one. I love it. I mean, I've been Sanfa is one of those artists where it's like I always think to myself, "Damn, I want to actually sit down and listen to this guy." And then I sit yep. down to listen to music, and you know what? I never do listen to Sanfa. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it's a refresher. It's something yeah, unique. So being able to actually listen, like, to actually sit down and like listen to his vision for his songs, because I only know them through other people's work. Right. This dude is you can appreciate a it. talent, like undeni- undeniably. Mm-hmm. Jasper, do you have any thoughts on Sampa? That I, 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 I'm assuming you know who it was pre yeah. prior, uh, prior yeah. to this, anyway. Yeah, I recognize his voice instantly. He's got like such a recognizable yeah style. Nobody sounds like him, which I think is a huge strength. And it's also um, like it's hard to put your finger on. I don't think there's like a single adjective you can use to describe his voice. To help someone figure it out. The only way I can describe it is like round or like full. It's got fair, like a full, fair, uh, like a full quality to it, where it's like the voice itself has body, but also range. Like he's got like the, I guess in, he he can put on the intensity on like certain syllables, but he can do it when, while changing range or like like pitch, which is impressive. Mm. Um, yeah, I liked both of them a lot. Uh, no one knows me like the piano is intense. Like I wasn't it's strong. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if I was at a point where I was like really moved, moved by it, but I recognize that it is a track that is worth listening to and just like dropping things to listen to. It's not like you're multitasking. It's it has that kind of energy, again, like Blonde has for me, where it's like I can't do something else while I'm listening to it. I have to focus on that thing. Yeah. No, like it, I, it, it was stunning, like in that way, yeah. like literally stunning, like yeah, like you you try to read or like do something else when it comes on, and you just kind of stop because you're like trying to hear everything, mm-hmm. and that's something that I I come across a lot in in music like this, which is you know a, a great benefit. It's a bonus. Yeah, I was about to say an artist that can make you stop and think; those are the ones that I appreciate the most. Yeah. For um, sure. So that that was actually going to be my first one. The second one I wanted to go over is someone signed to TDE. It is Sir. Um, I feel like this is my personal alternative R&B album. I feel like a lot of people who do dive into R&B, they have one that they attach to. Um, I know, like, for example, Brandon, The Weeknd could be yours. Like, the trilogy would be something that you attach to. The Weeknd is the definition of alternative R&B. Um, for me, it is Sir November. I feel like the entire sound of the album, it, it just scratched the itch that I had in my head. It's exactly what I wanted. I included something foreign, which features Schoolboy Q. Yeah, has a perfect touch of that West Coast feel, but it's still R and B. Like I've mentioned so many times, like R and B and hip hop are basically intertwined nowadays anyway. Some of the best albums for hip hop, you will get singing in it, and I feel like Sir is the perfect 
like collaboration piece to a hip hop album. I think his voice is very unique. I think the way he portrays his message of love is very unique. I like like I said previously, the genres that I picked obviously were gospel and R and B. Those are my both my twos. Obviously hip hop is one. Gospel and R and B is tied for second. Like bringing out an emotion is exactly what I look for in music. Yeah. And I feel like he does an excellent job in doing that. And even in the second song, War, you can portray a whole story of him and his girl going back and forth about him traveling and put this into the album and have it fit with the larger picture and have this unique scale of how love works for them. I just love R&B and the album in general. <laughs> no, yeah. Have yeah. you all heard Sir previously? Because I got to see him live, so... I was I'm, familiar, yeah. I'm fully in. <laughs> I was not. I had never come across his work, so this was something mm-hmm. new for me entirely. But yeah, no, I've heard I, of him, but not super. Like, oh, I'm gonna consciously listen to this guy, and like, yeah, no, I. It seemed like with something foreign, like my big takeaway was like, wow, what a cool way to blend like that West Coast Cali sound with the, uh, with the R and B because I, I think he did a mm-hmm. great job with that. I agree. Um, I, I personally did prefer War to something foreign just because I think the, the structuring of the beat to me was a little more appealing. But I think they're both super solid and just delivery and almost, I don't know, something about the instrumentation almost has like that kind of like lo-fi aesthetic it, it, to yes. me. And, yes. and that's, that's interesting because I feel like a lot of lo-fi music tends to be cast aside because it's not something that a lot of people will actively listen to listen to but more so just put on as something to have in the background yeah. mm-hmm. this this makes you pay attention in a, an interesting way yeah. so i i like that yep. a lot yep it's definitely one of the few r&b albums that does dive into lo-fi so that's a great point as well um but to close it out with my third one i think this one is the most popular out of the three that yeah. i selected Daniel Caesar, I've mentioned him actually recently within the podcast as he has recently dropped a single. Phenomenal. Um, personally, I am a fan. I know there there is some controversy about him in the past, but Daniel Caesar, it, it's one of those that just, it, it's perfect. He's a big name for a reason. If you go back to his discography, Freudian is one of the most successful alternative R&B albums, I want to say, at the time. Um, Best Part featuring her has almost a billion streams now. It is basically an iconic staple to wedding like ceremonies now. <laughs> like, you literally, you know you made it as an R&B artist when you're in, like, a lot of weddings. Like, you're a <laughs> staple for a wedding. You are the definition of love. That is success. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So... Best part stood out to me, and I wanted to include that as one of my examples. And then Hold Me Down, personally, without getting too deep into it, I've cried to Hold Me Down. I feel like once you find a really good R&B song that directly correlates to you, it can break you down. <laughs> it, it can really hit the That's right spots. Fair, yeah. And this is why I just love the the genre in general. And I think the album as a whole is extremely successful, I will say. It's front heavy. A lot of the best songs are in the front, but if you can get through the album, you're good. It's gonna hit something. You're gonna think about an X or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably had the most lukewarm reaction to any artist this one. 
Now I really? did I did think Daniel Caesar was like a talented singer. Like mm. I I definitely came away listening to these two songs because I didn't like listen to the entire albums. I had others. We had a lot of yeah. We had a lot to listen to this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I was I was impressed with his like individual talent. I was not overall super impressed with like either of the songs. It felt very generic R and B, you know, to me. Uh, so like I'm, I'm not fair. I'm not saying he's awful. I'm not saying he's even bad or talentless. It was just like it just came across a little bit generic to me. I can understand why best part is like a a wedding song. Like that makes mm. a lot of sense. In the world. <laughs> so like. It, uh, I thought Sampha and Sir are just like very dynamic, interesting takes on R and B. And this is more traditional. This is like more traditional. I even like wonder because like I know outside the purview of this conversation, I know other people consider Daniel Caesar a uh, uh, an alternative R and B artist, right? Mm-hmm. But like listening to it, I was like, "Is this dude like what's? what's I don't see. It's just really just normal R and B, right? You know? No, yeah, that's fair, especially for the whole album. That yeah. is actually very fair. Yeah, yeah, I would I would tend to agree with pretty much most of that. Um, although I didn't, I found that the instrumentation wasn't super memorable, but I did fixate on the voice. And to me, and this may sound ignorant someone who doesn't listen to r&b a whole lot but it sounds to me like from what i took away daniel caesar's main appeal is that he offers something adjacent to frank ocean's vocal styling while frank has, is mia that's what it kind of sounds like to me like a it's lot of his infle- his inflections especially towards the later half of hold me down the the, the way he kind of he'll do this like dip and then rise vocally that that really sounds a lot like stuff that frank does on blonde and even some of the instrumentation on these tracks reminds me a little bit of some things off of like early channel orange yeah i think that was actually a good take i had never really yeah. i will say a lot of times with r&b in terms of comparing just like quality of voices it's because yeah it's so much more impactful in that genre yeah people mention frank ocean versus daniel caesar versus like the weekend and things like that so that that's a great comparison that's what i drew but i really didn't want to come into this being like that that real fun meme from a couple years ago when Parasite came out where it's like white guy who has only seen two Korean things in many ways Squid Game is like Parasite like yeah. I was really trying to not connected. be that guy but that is just something that I, I noticed yeah. so I, I definitely no, yeah. I, I think that's a fine take yeah no it definitely had like a very minimal appeal which I feel like is especially with blondes like kind of comes across and like yeah. I think his singing has a different a, a similar style but overall, like, I did not walk away from Daniel Caesar being like, this is Frank Ocean, or even like, this is a worse version of Frank Ocean. You know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. For me, it was like there were parallels. Yeah, I could no, see like, I see people where you're who might from. like Frank. Yeah. It's the if you like blank, you might like blank. Like, yeah. That kind of effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. He just doesn't. If you go to Daniel Caesar's page, Frank Ocean would come up as like, oh, yeah. people also listen to. Yeah. 100%. I, I just had, didn't get the, I, I did not get the sense. And I do not get the sense from the way people talk about Daniel Caesar that he is a daring artist the way Frank Ocean is. He is highly praised in the R&B just like section. I I know like by talent, right? I know like by like Mm -hmm. singing ability. But like is he the kind of guy to go to the studio and think of pyramids or knights? 
Is he the kind of guy to sell you a fifteen thousand dollar cock ring? <laughs> yeah. Where's Daniel's <laughs> just like, oh, cock rings? <laughs> How much are we gonna compare to Frank Ocean? Yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> Yes, everything. <laughs> I, I I will say as someone who tries to be as much involved as he can with alternative R and B in terms of male artists, you you are correct. You will think of a Frank Ocean, you will think of a Daniel Caesar, you'll think of a Brett Fias, you'll think of The Weeknd. All of these kind of go within their own circle. Even Miguel, Miguel's a little bit older, but I think yeah. he does fall within I think the he genre. Was like I think the, he was before his time. I know, yeah. he, I know, like, people say, like, oh, The Weeknd, like, really crystallized it with the trilogy, but I, I think Miguel created Alternative Army. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe even as far as to say he was before his time, because he yeah. is very impactful in terms of developing that sound. Yeah. You think of Party and Party Next Door. Yeah, people like that. All these people are included, but absolutely, Daniel Caesar is one of the large names you definitely should know if you like the genre. One hundred percent. But yeah, that that is uh, those are my three. All right, for, ready uh, to move R&B. on to synth pop. I am ready. Are we ready to vibe extremely? <laughs> Unreasonably hard. I vibed hard as fuck to these. These made it onto my like. <laughs> yeah, these are some vibes. Just feeling them right off the bone. So before I it's get- just funny because like I know how much you love these albums because you made me listen to them already. First off, like you were in my apartment and <laughs> one Kavinsky's gone. That's not on this album, mind you. Came on. And it featured the weekend, and you just looked at me like you just saw you. It's good. You just you were like, it's really good. You were like, is this what you were talking about? And it was like, like I just introduced you to ET. You were like, this is it. You know how I feel. Anytime I hear like an artist I love in a music I didn't like expect, stop everything. When I listen to Astroworld the first time, Frank Ocean comes on, pull the car over and get out. It was just like. So yeah. yes, when I hear the weekend come on Convinci, I was just like, "What's going on here?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this but, slaps. <laughs> yeah, but needless to say, like, there's no big name like the weekend on these three songs. Uh, these are from Kavinsky's album last year, Reborn, which I wanted to bring in because I think it's like the perfect synth pop album. And the other thing is like, just as like a, a genre expectation, is that like there's synth pop to me is just like pop music made with exclusively with synthesizers and like that kind of thing there's also like a very popular genre called synth wave which is a lot more like ambient but like has like a very similar texture right so i I picked reborn just because like i think this is like the the closest thing to like oh this is synth pop in an album format like that really hits uh so the three songs this... I brought in were Renegade, Plasma, and Cameo. And I just think these songs are just like... I think they're some of the best pop songs made in years. I think they just call back from like this time when like the stuff that was on the radio had an element of craft to it, just because that's all there really was. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. So this was my most listened to album last year by a country mile. Like, Yeah, I know. Uh... It's it's a great album. I will take when you first told me, it took me a while to dive into it. Once I finally got to appreciate Kavinsky, I understand. I, I completely I understand. That. The drive home from your house on LSD. Normally it'll be blonde. That time was Kavinsky. 
it was very much worth the change makes up. You, it it is a phenomenal a album. Yeah. Just a little bit faster. I'm already yeah. going 80. I'm going to go 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I messed with this. Um, in the past, I haven't been the biggest fan of vocal mixing on Kavitsky. I think a lot of the time he, his vocals tend to be a little dry. Especially on like the, the uh, Outrun, the album. Yeah. Uh, Night like, like Odd Look and yeah. stuff like that. Odd Look like... is like exactly that. Odd, the version of Odd Look with The Weeknd is the one Purvis listened to. Yeah. Yeah. Like the original version, I think just the vocal is... for me didn't hit, but yeah. this feels like a far improvement over that. Yeah. Like it, it just feels fresh. Um, I really liked Plasma and Cameo. Those are my favorites. I think Renegade is a close third. Um, but yeah, just super strong. And this is another genre that I tend to really get into. I'm like, <coughs> this is like one step away from like my heavier synth, like yeah. darker, dark synth stuff that I like. So yeah, super solid. And yeah, I've been a fan since Drive came out. So like, this was just another day at the office for me. I was like, all right, we getting lit today. <laughs> I definitely agree. But yeah, Purvis, what did, you, what did you just, is it just driving music to you? <coughs> Essentially, yeah. I, I, I don't hate that. Because of you, because of you, I have fully gone back. I've listened to this album more than once. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a phenomenal album. It, when I think of this album, I think of Tron. So naturally, yeah. if I'm behind the wheel, it's a yeah. direct correlation. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't think it's limited to driving at all. Yeah, but I uh, think you can enjoy it the most when you're driving. Now it's, <laughs> I it's, like this for running. Yeah. yeah. To, to me, like, it's a great like, motion. Vibe. It's a great vibe. Uh, album like to me it's a great thing to put on in the background if you just want something that to me like i like doing things with, like movies in the background because like i can just like ignore it and then like when something cool happens i could be like hey uh that's kind of how i feel about this you know uh, it kind of like mm. just fits but yeah no i thought i think this is just like by far the best album in the category so i needed to bring this up and then i kind of wanted to bring in something from its roots uh, okay. but this album classic yeah this album, Classic. though, I think pro- maybe even more than any other album we all brought in, I think Soft Cell's non-stop erotic cabaret is probably a bit of an acquired taste. Uh, so I, I hiss, just dude. I just brought Tainted Love, which is the most popular song off the album by a yeah by a yard a significant and a half. margin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But like you know, like the other ones are about our songs about like infidelity and pornography theaters. So it's like, oh, nice. which like, but like that's the origin of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's like, why sometimes you feel you've got to run away. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Obviously, Tainted Love clearly recognized within yeah. one second of the song. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else? I no, it's no. just like no. It's just I wanted to bring it in. It's just like an immediate. Like this is like it, it's. We talk about hip hop. We talk about rock. We talk about gospel. There's probably not like a synth, a, a moment of synthesis in those genres the way synth pop does with like this specific song, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Like so, that's what it is. This is really like the the missing link, the the evolutionary ancestor to it all. And then the next I have one, to ask, yeah, really quickly, and don't take this disrespectfully. I'm looking at the streaming numbers. Is Tainted Love almost like a one-hit wonder, considering how like unique their sound is? What I, I mean, one I would not. I I think probably way more than the rock artists we were talking about. I think streaming mm-hmm. numbers for this album is like a really 
foolhardy way to gauge its impact. Yeah, you can't because okay. yeah. of when it came out. Yeah, and the other thing is that this album mostly lived in clubs, mostly lived like in gay bars at the time. Like yeah. it was not something. Like I'm sure the record sales reflected differently. That being said, I don't necessarily bemoan the idea that Soft Cell is a one-hit wonder. I think most people wouldn't consider it because of the impact they had just generally. And I do think they have other hits that just aren't on this album. Uh, let me look. In the context of pop culture, I yeah. would have to say that they're a one-hit wonder. Yeah. But, that, yeah. but at the same time, they, they carved out like an extremely important niche in what would become a much larger genre going forward. Yeah. So like, that's really just why, why I wanted to bring this one in. So I knew this one would be like the shortest conversation and I was happy with that. But I thought if I could just give you guys like a literal two, two and a half minute history lesson on the genre, that would be worth it. Especially because yep. like synth pop is, an, is a genre that I have grown to love very intensely over the last like five years. It's also and I really wanted to bring it in and talk about it, but it's also not a very album forward genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandon, are I you familiar with? Are you familiar with Axwell and Grosso? It sounds familiar, yeah, probably, but I, not off, not to the same degree as these artists. Okay, I'm gonna send you a song later. Please do. And then the next one, uh, Purvis probably recognizes one of these songs because I recommended it the episode before the Golden Nugget special. But I, I remember to, the album cover. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to bring in two songs from Mr. Kitty's Time, which is a more modern take on synth pop. Uh, After Dark, it's super funny because this song came out in 2014. I discovered this album like in 2016, 2017. But After Dark has gotten like a second life on TikTok. Yeah, so, that's a TikTok, really a TikTok song. TikTok yeah. song. It's crazy because like TikTok wasn't even in the United States when I first heard this song. Like, uh, it has 500 million streams. The next closest is under 15. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. These artists are not like, <laughs> like once again, like it. it these genres of music, it almost seems like streaming numbers like are almost completely irrelevant. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I, I think after dark is just like a, a part, like this is the job. Like this is the, this is the genre. Right. And I think rats is like a, this is like the cool new direction it can go. Like it isn't just like these ultra sweet choruses with these really dynamic uh, instrumentals. It's like there actually can be some rough and guffness to this. I have a take here. Okay. I love both of these. I put them both on my like songs playlist. I think on my like songs list. I think that rats. The only thing about it that keeps this being a synth pop song is the style of the beat that it has. I think if it didn't have that beat, this would fall much closer into like full on like industrial like outrun type stuff. Yeah. No. Definitely. Outrun and synth pop are like very incestuous you know yeah like, yeah there's a there's a wavery line there. yeah that's a sure. very wavy line industrial however i totally see where you're coming from you know it, i would the, just the just the scent like the straight like melody that, that like is, that very yeah. aggressive like dun, 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 yeah yeah well it sounds bad it sounds like a car chase in an anime movie it's amazing yes. right this this made me want to recommend eurobeat for like one of the genres on this yeah. list but that's going to be next time yeah but yeah, no, these these are oh, purpose. What did you think about rats? Did you listen to that? I did listen to rats. Um, luckily enough, I've already listened to After Dark. I think it was one of your recommended songs already. It was yeah, um, it was not very long ago. It's 
What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Hard as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this was one of the more difficult ones for me to get attached to. Not saying that it's bad. I don't yeah. think anything's wrong, anything's wrong with yeah. the music at all. It, it's too scratchy. If 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 that makes it's very, sense, it's like very. It's an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste because, <laughs> like, the thing is that, like, usually when music is very raw, it sounds very natural. It sounds like someone spitting into a microphone. It sounds like you know the strum of a guitar. It's yeah. very rare to hear something that sounds so raw and synthetic all at once. So that's what I, I'm saying. I, I like it. I think that's a fucking very incredible sound. But I get. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just like I say, it's not bad. It's just I don't think it's necessarily for me. When I say scratchy, it's interesting that you bring it up. It sounds like a speaker scratching. Like, yeah, no, re- like, literally, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it serves its own purpose. Is this what is the album cover about? I, I'm just confused. I don't know. Is there a concept? Because there wasn't really any words. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of go with the album cover, have both of you looked at the actual album page, album listing page on Spotify? I have put up now. I mean, I've look listened at, to look the at, album. Referring to? Look at, look at the names of the tracks and the shape that they make. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I just noticed this. That is actually pretty cool. That it's is just, yeah. for, for anyone who isn't looking at it, um, this, this album, uh, Time by Mr. Kitty, the song titles progressively go from shorter to longer so they create this kind of like triangular shape on the page which is pretty interesting illuminati (laughs) i'm sure that was deliberate like it it looks pretty cool yeah and like look this guy has a ton of music i have not listened to all of it by any stretch because like it it look it's not my key genre like it's not like hip-hop where like i hear a breakbeat and it's like i'm in like yeah you know like it's kind of like a lot but this album this to is me, 100% all satanic. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good, like fun satanic. Good, it's good. not taking itself too seriously. <laughs> good. Hervis is clutching at his cross in the back under the desk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just funny because I know Brennan and I have discussed this before. And immediately, like, Brennan and I, when, when we chose our albums before, and I made him listen to gospel, and he made me listen to heavy metal, he was like, I'm not going to give you anything satanic. And I'm just like, thank you. And I feel like this would have been the one if you didn't follow that rule. I mean, well, I don't think the music's satanic at all. Like, it's, it's described as, like, if you look at his artist profile, it's described as self-destructive music. Yeah. And you go to the Discovered On section, and there's a playlist here called Sigma Male TikTok Music in all caps. Yeah, and right. this is, he's listed on this. I love that. Nice. I love that. I'm nice. fucking dead. I see appears on Exorcisms EP. All right, <laughs> it's like come on. Yeah. Hey, he's doing the exercising. Come on, give him some credit. Second song is Zero Percent Angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's over, Purvis. You're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Purvis. You, Welcome to hell. You listen to the demon music. The contract is sealed. It's already been decided. It's game over from here going for it. That's hilarious. Oh my god. All right. Get into the fun? Yeah, let's get to the fun one. Let's Uh, go. This third one, we all completely unbeknownst to each other went in a very similar direction. Well, we had talked about it very briefly. I didn't think we expected to lean in this hard. Yeah. But we did talk about it because I had mentioned wanting to do like 
We mentioned why we do like an episode music. about this, yeah. About game music and, yeah. and just music relating to popular media. Yeah. So yeah, um, my last category here is video game OST or original soundtrack. And as much as I love and am passionate about the music early on this list, this was by far the hardest category for me to narrow down. Yeah. By a lot. By a lot. Um, but yeah, so the first one I went with is the original soundtrack for Ghost Runner. A game that I would say is not the most popular, but came out a couple a years game. ago. It's on PlayStation. It's on PC. I played it on PC. I fell in love with it immediately. Um, it's 100% hard. Of it. It's it's hard. It's a hard game. PC makes it easier. You can look around really freely compared to yeah. a controller. But Daniel Deluxe is my favorite newly discovered artist of last year. I would say that like this whole soundtrack and also the DLC are just like far and away like something super unique and and just different from anything I was expecting. And it also fits nicely in that kind of like synth outrun area that i really like as far as instrumental music goes yeah so my first track was air which is the title like opening theme it's on the main menu and it has kind of like a very thoughtful sound to it but then it has these kind of very hard intense moments within that that i really like um and then let them know is Higher energy starts out a little more calm and then develops this really cool kind of like stepping synth sound that is just an earworm. So yeah. I love this one and I think it's just like new, unique, and, and kind of also leans into what we were talking about with your synth pop and also with the breakaway into Daft Punk. So definitely some uh, yeah, no. some, some cuts there. Yeah, no, this is perfect synth wave music. Trying to figure out why my camera won't focus, but yeah. you know. I saw that as well. <laughs> yeah, Wake up, please. Oh, there we go. But yeah, there it is. It's uh, like giving up on us. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was super familiar with this because like I played Ghost Runner, but like I, yeah. I sucked, so like I did not get past like the fourth or fifth stage. And gotcha. Uh, but I listened to the music when it came out because like it's just very much the kind of music I'd like. Yeah. And this is a great example of like synth wave. I think it totally plays on its own. And it did such a good job building the world of Ghost Runner, like while you're playing yeah. the game. And accenting, one thing that is amazing to me about this is no matter how many times I died playing the game, because this is a game where it's if you take one hit, you die, and you yeah. have to restart from a checkpoint. No matter how many right. times I died playing this, when this music was playing, I felt energized. Like I didn't yeah. get tired of failing. I, I like, and that's something that good game music will do. Yeah. It will keep you in a mood in an area regardless of how long you have to spend there. Yeah. So Definitely. it made me want to keep going. So I think is a perfect good take. Yeah, that's yep. the perfect yeah. take. And like, look, don't get me wrong. Like, that's impressive when you have, you know, Ghost Runner and you can throw the whole kit and caboodle at it, you know. Yeah. But think about like when you were making Sonic the Hedgehog, you had five different bloops to use. And it was like, you had the Green music. Hill Zone Go. Yeah. You had yeah. like, and you had to make music just as compelling, just as catchy. Like, it, it, video game music is like a unique challenge. It's something that, like, I feel like people in our generation listen to a lot on its own, and I just don't. But like, I, I, I do definitely. Yeah, no, I respect <laughs> it because it's just like really, really well-made music. Yeah, I agree. Purvis, what do you think? Um, I haven't played the game. I'll say that, but I enjoyed the music. I will say. 
everything that we just mentioned is beneficial towards the album, if you want to call it a quote unquote album. Yeah. But one thing that does take away from it, you don't get the game aspect. I feel like with original soundtracks, unlike movie scores, mm-hmm. I feel like it is easier to separate a movie score from the actual movie. That's interesting. Where it's a lot more difficult to separate a game score from the actual game because I feel like as involved as you can get with the movie, you can fully enjoy it. You can connect to it to the deepest meaning. It's different when you're playing a game. It's just naturally different because you have to control your yeah. player in the movement. There's it's like you literally are in the game. Yeah. yeah. So, I, unfortunately, because I didn't play the game, I didn't get to enjoy it to that degree. But I think in terms of the original soundtrack, it is catchy. It is involving. Yeah. It, it brings you in. But unfortunately, I didn't play the game. So I, I feel like I'm... Would you say, would <laughs> I didn't you say really that... get to... Would you say that having listened to the soundtrack, you are interested in finding out more about what the game is like? Yeah, for sure. I, I, believe it or not, even though it is an older game, I don't know the game. And that is rare for is me. Older? You guys know. 2020? 2020? Yeah, Ghost, Ghost Runner I thought you guys said new. this was an older game. No, I said this was a newer game. Yeah. Uh, came out October 27th of 2020. Give me a second. And it's on PlayStation and PC. Yeah. You should play it on PC. Yeah, it's very good on PC. I, I'm you serious. Too in your push for PC, no, although I respect Dude, it and for I the controls. It, I know. Dude, I any any first person game, you should be playing on PC. Yeah, the controls just it's are in, not. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like so much harder on the console. You have no idea. I remember I tried to play Doom 2016 on console and I hated it. And then I played it on PC and I was like, "Wow, this game is amazing." That that is the game. <laughs> My PC was originally for video editing, and then I got Doom 2016, and then it became. So Doom 2016 was one of the honorable mentions for this category for me. I was really considering putting it on there, and then we would have had our metal entry. Yeah, Um, because that's that's metal to the degree, and like making metal music that doesn't get old is extremely hard. So I gotta say, I call I have like my own little subgenre name that I gave I, I give to music like that because it's not quite like it's score music, but it's also metal. I call it cine metal. Because it's yeah. like there are scoring elements of it that are not just like strictly like the metal yeah. sound kit, you know? Like there's like some other like sound effects or and stuff. Orchestral and stuff. Yeah. Purvis, you seem perplexed. Are you okay? What's going on? I'm looking into Ghost Runner right now. I'm <laughs> okay. confused because I've, I've seen the cover the of the game. Yeah. yeah. I am shocked. I have not. I watch a lot of games like a yeah. lot of gameplay i don't know why any of my streamers didn't play this game yeah. i will i was gonna say i will stream this game if you want to watch it sometime <laughs> i might. I mean, at this I point i feel like i should just play it the, yeah. the ratings are insanely yeah, high you should really... read my steam review yeah i reviewed it on steam oh uh, Abby on favorably steam. yes we can do that okay uh, right. i am i'm i'm sold in you got me Let's go All down right. to Halo Three because we're at the big, moving. We're at the big three hours. Way too long. <laughs> I don't see Jesus on. Christ. I don't give a moving shit. On. I will go another hour. Fuck you. Yeah. This is a podcast. That's the whole point. Like, this is our year on. special. To be fair, this is our year special. Yeah. Go year special and the fiftieth episode. This is more Come than on, justified. Yeah. My Copium. personal <laughs> favorite game of all time. The God okay. King of first-person shooters, in my opinion. Halo 3, 
arguably like the most refined point for like the original shooter series that brought shooters to like our generation. Goddamn, does this game have some good music? Yeah, it does. Martin O'Donnell, Michael Salvadori, absolute masterclass. They did all three of the original Halo games, and Bungie founders said, you know, Martin will come in and has this incredible power, which I both love and resent, and that is that he can take anything we're working on and make it at least twice as good when he adds his music to it, and no one else in the studio has the power to make anything twice as good on their own. So I picked out two tracks that I think are the most impactful and important across the entire discography, which is huge. It's, it's music for menus. It's music for multiplayer. It's music for the single-player campaign. I picked out Never Forget, which is the kind of menu track that sets the vibe for the start of the game, which is, you know, the aliens that you've been fighting and losing to progressively throughout the first two games have finally found Earth, your home planet, and are starting to destroy it and you got to figure your, your shit out. So that's kind of like the opening um, experience, I guess, through just the menus. You're getting a tone set, and this really sets the tone. we got heavy piano. We've got intense strings that kind of accompany that, and it builds and builds and then fades and leaves you with this sense of like emptiness. Like There's something to do, and you know you got to do it, but at the same time, it's a... There's there's like a, a almost like a foregone conclusion to to what you're doing. Like a yeah. there's a a, fa- um, a finality to it. Yeah. Um, and then one final effort, exact opposite. This is like the rallying call yeah. of the entire game. Like everything that you've worked on to to this point has got to like come together in this moment to make it happen and and you know save humanity, save the galaxy, everything else. And it both both tracks are just intense. I, I listened to both of them back to back to to put this together, deciding on which ones I wanted. Immediate goosebumps. Just like having the volume up and like thinking back to the moments across like playing this game that were impactful to me as like as a kid, even now, like when I go back to it. Powerful, powerful stuff. I love this soundtrack. And I think anybody who if you haven't played Halo 3 and you're listening to this podcast. Stop listening, go play Halo 3, and then listen to this also because it is, you know, work of art, in my opinion. No, I totally agree. Halo 3 is definitely the peak of the Halo franchise for me. Yeah. This and Reach were, like, yeah. just on the level. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys know. I, I didn't have the Halo face like every other Xbox user. I'm not even really an Xbox user and I had a Halo face. Like... Yeah, but yeah. it's like literally the staple of Xbox. Yeah, it's it like is. Like, the first is. main game that uh, Microsoft owns or whatever. Um, I didn't realize how deep Halo went when you told me the story yesterday. I was explaining Halo to Purvis, like the lore. I was <laughs> oh like, oh my God, never. And it you took can, like you can go a so very long deeper. time. Dude, <laughs> I watched like hour and a half long video essays about Halo lore that's not in the games. It's yeah. It goes deep. It's like Star Wars lore, the way they like really build it out as a world, yeah. which is something that I think, I, like I love it. I love, you know, a, a deep kind of, you know, fantasy experience. I, say, like I, I, I really do appreciate it. When I was thinking about this type of like original soundtrack for a game, I was thinking about like Interstellar. Yeah, oh, connections to yeah, that. It definitely does. It has that grand. That was the main scope. thing. Yeah, yeah, and 
that movie alone is phenomenal. But I almost brought. I'm not that gonna get into that. Mine. Yeah, I, that was almost. <laughs> that would have been a good option. That yeah, been a good I one. just feel like Hans is like <clears throat> overdone. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I feel like I, I feel like Halo, Marty O'D and Michael Salvadori did a really good job of synthesizing old and new because it's easy to get too carried away with something that's sci-fi and make it too futuristic and and kind of emotionless in a way where it it becomes very robotic, very mechanical in yeah. the sound. But this uses strings and and a choir. It's yeah. a, a monk choir. It was quite and, literally and, the same strategy as Star Wars. Yeah, you have an operatic almost kind of feel. It gives it like a, a sacred or like ancient feel to something that is very new. And that's kind of what the game is about because you're discovering ancient artifacts from, you know, old alien races and things. And it, it kind of gives it this sense of antiquity that you don't get in a lot of sci-fi. So I, I think it really bridged that gap well, much in the way of the Star Wars like, series originally. Yeah. That. So this last one, this is the first Red Dead, correct? This is the first Red Dead. Technically the second. Technically the second, but the first one. Mm, it's, not, curious. it's not canon. <laughs> it's not part of the story, but there was a game. Yeah. Technically Red the Revolver. second, yes. Red Dead Revolver yes, is the original. I yeah, played a lot yes. of Red Dead Revolver, so it's like. I know a lot about Red Dead Revolver, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, this I totally is, get that. Yeah. This is Red Dead Redemption 1, John Marston's story. One of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, one of my favorite games and one of my series. favorite soundtracks. Yeah. Whole series. Yeah, so, you know, we were talking about Cormac McCarthy earlier. Um, I actually used the soundtrack for this in a in a literary capacity at one point when I had to write a book analysis on that for like my senior year graduation paper for English class. Yeah. And All the Pretty Horses was the book that we we read and then reviewed. And we had to put together music that we thought would accompany, you know, an adaptation of this as like part of the multimedia pr- prompt. And I picked tracks from Red Dead to like show the story of John Grady Cole, the main character of that making his way through Mexico as a ranch hand. And so this was like perfectly in line with that. Everything about this track, this soundtrack fits directly with the way the game makes you feel. It cultivates like a direct experience that it wants you to have, but gives you freedom to feel your own feelings within that. So a lot of the soundscape of the, of the soundtrack is sparse. There's a lot of open kind of more minimal uh, sound. Horseplay is one of the more, intense tracks the one of the ones that i picked and it's when you are wrangling horses and uh for that it it does have some higher energy to it but a lot of it is open and makes you feel as though you're in like a wasteland or a desert and then compass all time one of my favorite tracks of like anything singer songwriter video game or not um just like this beautiful kind of timid almost performance of this really beautiful song about you know returning to one's loved ones and honestly red dead is one of those rare examples in terms of soundtracks where it is really stacked at the back end because you've got you've got just so much that is just intense back there you've got dead man's gun Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie, like all these tracks that have vocals to them that you don't get throughout the rest of the game that all stack up at the very end in the conclusion. And they're all good. Like, I love Dead Man's Gun. That was almost on the list, but I I picked Compass over that. But yeah, just strong, solid, atmospheric, and, you know, 
uh, it, it holds up and it doesn't age because it's already of such a different time period that it, it feels fresh whenever you go back to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It immediately evocates the, the Westerns uh, that it's evocating. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's got that feel. <laughs> I was literally about to say just in general, because I, I looked at your list and I saw that it was red dead. I don't think there's a debate. Red Dead is the best cowboy video game series yeah, in existence. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing else that comes close. Yeah. Gun and was cool, but it doesn't come close. Doesn't it's not even in the same circle. I feel like Red Dead has held himself so much higher within the gaming community. Rockstar is phenomenal with the majority of the games, I want to say. And this is what I wish country music was. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's pretty good. Honest, yeah, honestly, that's, yeah, that's I like this. Yeah. This is what Instead I wish of, country music was because it, this is literally what it feels like to be a cowboy in a desert. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, this yeah, is what I'm it's... thinking. And cowboys are badass. Everyone knows that the cowboys. Cow are... Name one bad cowboy movie. Don't do that. The, there's actually probably there's a lot. Probably but a still, <laughs> the new the new Lone Ranger movie with Johnny Depp as a Native American. You're welcome. Yeah. But for every one of those, look, I, I took, fall, which is dope. I took it back as soon as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of like really classic ones. Yeah, so, no, of are. course, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a genre which you know I think we're gonna touch on again uh, with Brandon's list because he picked one of my favorite soundtracks of all time yeah. on that too. Yeah, so, true. But what's interesting is that, and you know, spoiler alert: it's the Django and Chain soundtrack. Let's go. They don't Amazing. sound anything alike, and yet they both immediately evocate the the old west. And I gotta say, Yours there is, is the there are two songs that I do think sound alike that are the Morricone songs because yeah. I think Red Dead drew a lot of influence from that spaghetti western. It's impossible song. not to. Yeah, you know, like if you make Chipmunk Soul, you're gonna sound like Kanye West. If you make a western song, you're gonna sound yeah. like Anira Morricone. It's impossible yeah. not to. Yeah, um, I can't even pronounce it. It's uh, what is it? You know, Giorni Del Ira or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, that song where it's got that crazy riffing guitar. Yeah. Super intense yeah. and just like over the top and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Purvis, do we want to go on to your section because you also did video games? Yes. But you did I it in a did. different direction. Yes. Um, the route that I took, uh, I did video games just because it's probably one of the more one of the more involved activities in my life, I want to say. It's not even a hobby at this point. Like, I feel like between all three of us, just in general, if, if it's not hip-hop, it's video games. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not the second close thing, and I feel but like right there's a... right now in my life. They, they, it yeah. Because, like, movies are, like, my big thing. That That is true. But just, like, in general, yeah. like, these are the main sources of media that we dive into. So I wanted to go actual soundtracks created on video games. Yeah. Um, because obviously you have original soundtracks that are meant for that game, but I think there's a lot of phenomenal created soundtracks, and I think it's a talent to take selective music and have it apply apply to another form of media, which is why I have thirty playlists yeah. on my Spotify. <laughs> it's essentially a game creator making a playlist for their game. Um. I wanted to give a couple of different options. So the first one I wanted to go over is actually the playlist to NBA Street Volume 2. 
So many, that so is, many hours. This takes me back, dude. Dude, oh my god. <laughs> god. I remember my PS2. Bro, I saw Bro. this game. I saw this song on the list, your first one here, and I had the moment of the food critic from Ratatouille where it like goes into his fucking eye. Like, <laughs> it's fucking it goes back to my childhood. Bro, dude. The, uh, this everything man. about the game within itself is phenomenal. Yeah. One of the best sports games. I know that might be a take, but one of the best it's, sports games ever I don't created. Think that's a take. So I fun. think that's a pretty popular opinion. <laughs> like I, the first song I I did is "How We Do," um, made yeah. by the game featuring Fifty Cent. It is the definition of blacktop basketball. Just a whole bunch of niggas just jumping around hooping. Like it, it it's it's perfect within itself. And then the second song, Freaky Leak, it's just a staple to the yeah. black community. And it's just such a good song. Um I think the entire playlist um that they created for that game, it, it surprisingly actually isn't that long, but every song it's perfectly selected. It's like in my yeah. opinion. It, it's like Mark Hamill in the new Star Wars, the sacred texts. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you just can't mess with it. It's just perfect. My, um, favorite, my favorite thing is when I text you, I'm like, dude, one of your songs almost brought me to tears. You were like, which one? And I went freakily. <laughs> like, just started dying. No, not never would have made it. it yeah. Not never would have made it. Freakily. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. Um, but that's the first one. Like I said, one of my favorite sports games. And sports games nowadays are just pay to play or play to win. So it's just, it's nice. Yeah, to dude, I miss great. back in the day. Jesus Christ! Oh, um, that before... so... oh sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I sound old just saying that. But I was about to say the lyrics that you mentioned yeah. at the end of the year, but the sake of old heads, Sucker Bell back in my day. <laughs> But anyway, Jasper. <laughs> I want to ask before we move to the next one, I want to try and guess what these two songs are from because I have a pretty good idea. But the I don't two? know exactly. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, are these what? are these are these from New Vegas? Close. Are they from Very Vegas? close. Fallout Four. Four. Personally, okay, I fell in love with Fallout Four. Okay. Um I know me mentioning 4. you never play, but played but you played other Fallout. I played three of New Vegas. <laughs> Okay, that that's perfectly fine. Yeah. I, obviously, they all rank differently, but in, in terms of the series, I think Fallout. It Fallout sets its is own. a it's a very special game in terms of putting you in a time period or an atmosphere. The concept of dealing with like an atomic bomb warfare and post atomic like lifestyles the game within itself is an amazing concept the inventory system is phenomenal but i I won't go into the game aspects but the music within itself i remember the first fallout game was fallout 4 so i kind of did them out of order i borrowed it from one of my friends shout out patrick i know me even mentioning fallout he's gonna lose his mind when he hears this but when i left the vault i just went walking I didn't follow any missions. Yeah. I didn't go get the dog. I literally just went walking in a wasteland. And having this radio play, it puts you in that time period of the 1950s, 90s, 1960s. Every single song slaps. Yeah. 
every single song is amazing. Those, those I don't even listen hard. to no, this type of music. Yeah, it no, is they, phenomenal. You put it in the right context, and I'll listen to this shit all day. Like, yeah, bro, facts. Literally, when you were mentioning like this is the type of music that have you play games all day, I've. I don't even like 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 I said, my first one was Fallout Four, so I didn't even have an experience with the Fallout series. I found myself hours, not even doing missions, just walking around, like literally just exploring the vast like environment of the yeah. game. And you have songs like "Keep a Knocking," you have songs like "Personality," and so many other great songs by like top tier. I, I can't I can't front you. That's... Um, and then my my last one that I wanted to go over one of the greatest video just... game soundtracks of all time, maybe <laughs> one of the greatest soundtracks. There's so many levels that I want to break down. If you don't know, we are talking about GTA Five. We've already praised Rockstar when we was talking about Red Dead and that series. GTA as a series is iconic one of the most famous video games there is gta 5 is the most successful one i would say out of the series gta 5 has gone through three generations of gaming if you don't understand games that is unheard of it's we, never been done before on, i'm pretty sure and i can claim that on ps2 we got three grand theft autos and now we have a grand theft auto 5 on three playstations like, That's what I'm saying. It, it is absurd, the gravity of this game. You could play GTA for a thousand hours, and you could still turn the game mic on and do have... These, this is the game you hop in the car and just drive around and listen to the yeah, radio. No, it is. And what I want to talk about, the, the two songs I decided to include was actually from the original soundtrack. Um, a lot of people don't know. They had a pretty big budget for their soundtrack. They have major names like BJ the Chicago Kid, Freddie Gibbs. They have ASAP Rocky. They have Tyler Creator. Real quick, the list goes on. <laughs> yeah, I just for people who don't know, when he says a pretty big budget, Grand Theft Auto V's budget for development was the largest of any video game in history at that point, three hundred million dollars, yeah. which is the same amount of money that was used to make Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which at the time was the highest budget movie of all time. Yeah. So we're talking about like the most well-funded and probably best executed open world game of all time up until that point that is the perfect way to put it fucking shows because you look at the people you look at the people who they got for this soundtrack not even just the rights to songs kenny loggins is the is the mc yeah the, the like the spinning dj for los santos rock radio a fictional radio station in this game they got kenny fucking loggins to come in and be the host like, I, it is it is a real radio station. It, it they still update. Your I, music. I will go as far. Like, that's literally okay. So that's what I was about to go into. The two songs I included were original soundtracks, but it's so much larger than that. It's huge. There, it is better than the actual radio. Yeah, like I, I, I will yeah. gladly say that the radio in GTA Five is better than the radio you have in your car. You know what's crazy is the agency I worked for has placed ads on the radio in GTA. Like, that's how massive yeah. this, it is. It, it, just the concept alone of having a radio in a game like this, and you sign off artists to make original music, you update five, six, seven years later. Yeah. The music. This is. You, not they have a, like 20 yeah. radio stations. Dude, this game's going to be 10 years old this year. 
it's not going to be a hot take at all, but like GTA Five has become what Second Life always wanted to be. Oh yeah, that's in like no way. small way. People use it for everything. Yeah, like people you can film, mod the hell out of GTA. You can mod 5. it. People film little like cinematics and make their own like short films and even feature length films in GTA using character creation. People like role play like flight controllers and shit like it's unbelievable i was literally about to say literally like people have they they've developed the game so you have a role you can be like a cop in the game yeah and like interact with other people in the game as yeah, though yeah. it's a regular it's like minecraft which yeah. is insane that was the other one to I was compare like, it to yeah it's yeah it's Honorable a phenomenal mention. game it's so 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 massive and like such a living breathing world yeah, the world feels lived in, which is something that Rockstar has always done a good job of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The the fact that you mentioned that this is ten years old, I, me being twenty six, the fact that I first got this in high school, yeah, and bizarre. I can turn this on right now and still play it, and yeah. have it be a triple A title game competitive with Hogwarts shit. that just came out. Yeah, this is mind blowing. Yeah, you need to understand the gravity of this. <laughs> oh, this game is better than most games that still come out. Like literally, oh, um, Purvis, I just realized there is one game that has come out on more platforms than GTA Five. Can you Interesting. Guess what it is? is it Spider-Man Two? Does no. it have to do with yeah. Nintendo? It's no. on Nintendo, yes, but it is not a Nintendo Ooh. game. Okay, it's on Nintendo. It's on the Switch. It's not a Nintendo game. Is it Just Dance? No, because that, that's lots of generations. I'm talking one singular game that has been re-released across like four or five platforms at this point. Man, I always thought that was Spider-Man 2. Because that was on like PS2, is it, PlayStation. Is it a Call of Duty game? No. Call of Duty is seasonal. They don't. Those don't count. Those have no staying power. Yeah. Damn. Give up? I'm pissed. Yes, I give up. <laughs> Skyrim. For timing sake. Oh, that makes oh, the most sense. Yeah. That makes Xbox 360, sense. PS3, Xbox One, PS4, PC, Nintendo Switch. And PS5. I think they even made re- remastered versions for PS5 and yeah. Xbox Series. A yeah. thousand modded versions on PC. Yeah. yeah. That, that so we got down. at least eight. <laughs> yeah. Elder Scrolls. Yeah. That, I'll give you that. That's fair. Mm. That is fair. All right, are we moving? But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's enough video games, Brandon. All right, let's go to Tinseltown for the last one. Jesus Christ, I got to pee so bad. Uh, <laughs> all right, so, <laughs> so me, me, I, I'm a movie guy. So when we wanted to bring in uh, stuff we don't listen to, I had to bring in film scores. I, full disclosure, I'm not someone who like, listens to a ton of film scores outside of the movie. But I certainly have opinions on film scores as they pertain to movies. And I spend so much time watching movies that, like, if you counted film scores as a genre, it is probably top five of, like, things I've listened to in my whole life. And we've already talked about this group, but when it comes to just, like, iconic soundtracks that I do actually listen to, I think this is this group's best project. Like, full stop. Uh, Tron Legacy. You think uh, Tron Legacy is, is better I than just love, Discovery? I would I not just, get involved in this. That's a heavy statement. I just love like the 
the amount of like world building that like completely stands on its own within the context of the album that yeah. also enhances the movie. I think you and me might disagree about the movie a little bit because while I agree it doesn't have a whole lot of cultural relevance, especially as a franchise, uh, one, I think the movie that's currently number one in the box office proves that just because people don't talk about something... Oh, no, I, mean, I 100% agree. I, I love Tron Legacy. Yeah, it's just I, that I, I, think, I think Disney didn't allow it to be what it could have been. I agree with that part, 100%. Yeah. I think the movie absolutely works. I think it is yeah. one of the best modern Disney movies I think it's aged well too. Yeah, like, I think it's aged very wise. well, uh, graphics yeah. wise. Even though it has like the really shitty early de aging, within the context yeah. of of Tron, it fits really well. Yeah, and all of that is b- swept away by the fact that Jeff Bridges fought Jeff Bridges on a bridge. Like, yeah, amazing. what more do you want? <laughs> Bridgeception. Uh, one of, one of my favorite like pieces of trivia though is that uh, Daft Punk were actually the most intense Tron fans involved in the production. Yep. Uh, and they would actually have meetings with the director, Joseph Kaczynski, and, like, test him to make sure he was doing shit right. But, like, you know, when you have the concept of, like, this is a world inside the computer, yeah, I think Kaczynski would have been a cool choice, but, like, there is no one, no one who that else fits is gonna... besides Daft Punk. Yeah, like, uh, I who think... Who else? <laughs> I, once again, I think there's one other name that could do it, and I think they are clearly the second fiddle. Like, yeah. uh, and I picked just like this stream d Fall and Solar Sailor just because I think they're a wide breadth of the amount of like tones and emotions we got from this score. Yeah. And also just like, they hit hard. So like, I think one, because like when I'm listening to Daft Punk, I'm usually looking for something that's a little bit closer to ambient than dance music. Um, but yeah, this is my favorite of their projects. And like I probably watch that Tron movie more than most people, but I listen to this album way more often. I've seen that movie many times and yeah. I, I come back to this too a lot. Yeah. yeah I, I, I watch it every other year probably. <laughs> like Disney do it right. Make yeah. a new Tron it, movie and make it good, please. Yeah. Bring it after. Is this back. on Disney Plus? Yes. Yeah. Oh you For when it came out, and you it. have to do a certain <laughs> thing. Like Okay, to be fair, I'm not like a Disney person, but I will watch it. No, this is For, this, this, this is, is not a Disney thing, really. Like, it's they own the rights, but it is not a Disney film. It does not feel like a Disney film. It's about a, it, it, I guess, like the only way it feels like a Disney film in is that it is very family appropriate. Yeah, that's it's it. the kind. Okay, of, that's fine. It's the kind of movie you could take a child to and not have them be scared or overwhelmed. But it's definitely right, not, not be concerned. Yeah, but it's definitely not over. It's definitely not for children. Like, yeah. uh, it's for. So, yeah, no, I just. This is and it, for when it came out, oh, I don't even remember when this came out, 2009? I think so. 2010? I think was, somewhere I think like was, that. Something like that, yeah. It has aged incredibly gracefully. Purvis, like, if you watch it, the, the CG, the effects that are used in it, a lot of them look like they could be contemporary because they're stylized in such a way that doesn't make them feel as though they rely on like photorealism. Yeah. So it, it does this really good job of not being photoreal, which makes it so that, you know, it's more plausible. And yeah. I just looked it up. It came out 2010. So yeah. it, it's been 13 years and it's still hits. It, like, it is still all like the boxes. one of the best visual set pieces, you know? You said it was like 2010? Yeah. 2010. I yeah. think I know why. I feel like... 
and and I don't want to like put them against each other in whatsoever, but I feel like mine was Speed Racer. I attached myself Ooh, to Speed Racer, Speed Ra- which Speed, was 2008. Speed Racer's I never a, saw it. Speed Racer's a good movie. Speed Racer's a much weirder movie. This I is a why I attach myself this is, to it. This is a much more, uh, I would say, traditional movie. Uh, and I also just, I think Speed Racer is good. I think Speed Racer got a lot of hate it doesn't deserve. Uh, but this is a better movie in my opinion, like pretty clearly. And also I thought it was interesting that like this was the, the soundtrack was like part of the marketing campaign for this. But like yeah. when you have Daft Punk, of course it's going to do that. Yeah, of course it's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so this was, yeah, this was 2010. It generated a lot of hype because before this, the last Daft Punk project to come out was Alive 2007, which was a live, yeah. al- like a live performance album f- three years prior. And then before that, Human After All was 2000, and, or not even Human After All. Human After All remixes were 06. Human After All was 2005. So it had been five years since an original Daft Punk album. Yeah. Like Ocean Gaps. Yeah, yeah. And like, this was a great filler for it, I would say. Yeah, it's right, like, but... in terms of gaps, you got Frank, Daft Punk, <laughs> Tool. Yeah. <laughs> like... And then you have, like, George R.R. R. Martin. Like, <laughs> like... It's like, is it ever? I have, had, I have had an entire Frank Ocean career in the time I've been waiting for that one book. Like... It's never going to happen. He's yeah. going to die first. I, don't say that to me. Like, <laughs> I'm a realist. I Don't say that to me. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> book series of all time. I hope that doesn't happen. True. Uh, Fingers crossed. All right, I want to move on. Speaking of favorites of all time, uh, my favorite Man. movie of all time is probably The Social Network. Which I finally saw it recently. You did? It's really good. It's extremely it's good. good. It's extremely like good. It. And the score, I think, is Trey Magnifique. Like, first off, I wanted to bring another score that was done by an artist, right? That was done yeah. by uh, people who make music meant to be consumed as music. Uh, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor yeah. are the brainchild behind Nine Inch Nails. They basically are the, like a fundamental force in industrial music. Yep. Um, and they transitioned into doing film scores. They did this one. And the thing I love about this is like The Social Network is a movie mostly composed of characters talking in boardrooms. And if you listen to these to the soundtrack, not just these two songs, like the entire soundtrack, it just does not sound like the kind of music that would accompany that kind of story. And yet. And yet it works perfectly. And I think it's it's the rare movie that fires on literally every single cylinder. And also like I, I do think the it's a unique like, story within itself. In my yeah. Opinion. And the other thing I think is interesting is like they don't go for like the actual historical record of what happened at Facebook. They go for like a mythologizing of it. But especially post Cambridge Analytica, especially post 2020, it's kind of crazy how prophetic the people behind making that movie were about yeah. like how the assholes in dorm rooms were going to control speech. On the internet, like big facts, they were spot on. <laughs> yeah. So I think, it, first off, like the fact that once again, it's a movie mostly composed of characters talking in boardrooms. The fact that it is a visual and auditory feast while doing that is just like 
You know who directed it, right? David Fincher. Yep. Yeah. He's I, got that. That's a very signature style. I, I, David Fincher is one of my favorite directors of all time. I've read books about him. Yeah. Um, I think <clears throat> this is easily his best movie. Uh, that's a hot take. I, 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 I don't think it's a hot take. Like, I, that's, I, what's the competitor? that's Fight Club and Seven and oh, yeah, those The Girl are big with the ones. Dragon Tattoo and I think, Well, the thing is that Fight Club <laughs> is just so oftenly misconstrued. And has kind of taken on a place in the culture that is like, it's basically like, do you know the phenomenon that happened with like the song Swimming Pools? Where it's like, yeah. this is a song about yeah, of course. Uh, of the horrors of alcoholism and then people use it to pour Everyone's fucking drinking it. It's a fucking <laughs> banger. Yeah. <laughs> Fight Club is that. Fight Club is about the horrors of toxic masculinity and people use it as like... Look, that's Kendrick's whole career. That's yeah, not well, fair. Yeah, <laughs> regardless of what people interpret it as, I yeah. mean, to say that to say that the direction of Fight Club isn't, I think, one of his top and also like revolutionary is. I don't know. I, I do maybe, think maybe I, not. I do think it's revolutionary, right? I, I I don't think Fight Club's a bad movie. I don't know if it's revolutionary. That might be a bit much. But like, I I, I, mean, lo- I love Fight Club. But my thing is that like. David, a lot of the David Fincher, a lot of the direction yeah. as far as like cinematography though and and a lot of the elements of filmmaking like the technical elements of that film yeah, were like pretty motion, groundbreaking like the motion yeah. capture like the motion capture the motion uh control and stuff like that yes i agree i just think like in terms of raft as a director i think david fincher had to calm the fuck down before he could make his best work you know it's it's one thing to take like this incredibly heady psychological thriller or seven, this super high concept horror movie, and turn that into like a visual feast. I feel like that's yeah. like making a feast out of like ham and prime rib. But like to make something so striking and innovative out of this subject matter, you know, I think is it's a higher bar. And I think, you know, I, and I also just think like the script for this is just like far and away kind of better than the Fight Club scripts. Uh, and, you know, I do kind of always approach movies as, like, a writer kind of first. No, I get that. Yeah. So, this... Abs- I have very strong opinions about David Fincher's filmography. Okay. I was going to say, give me two seconds. I need to grab my food. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. I need to rewatch this actually. Now that I'm looking at it. also 2010, I haven't seen it since yeah. probably 2014. Dude, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, David Fincher's never made a bad movie. Also, Zodiac. Zodiac's probably my second favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think Seven and Fight Club both are just like powerhouses. I mean, I agree. Like, I I think those movies are incredible, but you know, Fight Club for me just like. I, I just then, think, I, I just think it's overrated and that just kind of gives me a bad taste in my mouth. As what about what, what about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? I think it's good. I think it's very good even especially because like I don't think those books are particularly great. Uh, mm. And I don't even think I'm going to cut this cuz we just had like a nice little conversation. Uh, I was really about to say I didn't even eat like lunch or dinner so no, I, I had feel to grab you. my food. It's, it's bad. <laughs> uh 
It is past midnight. I will, I will, I will get to my... Do you want to just start the final one? Because I feel like this is something we can all have a fun time with. I'm yeah, going to say let's... real quick. In the Hall of the Mountain King, regardless of what version, banger. This version, extra banger. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, no, it's spooky. And the, it like, gets in my head every yeah. time. Bum, 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 oh. bum, 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 <laughs> Every time. And it's use in the movie with the... Uh, with the row racing? With yeah. the rowing scene. It, it conjures the scene immediately. Like, yeah. I, I could picture it in my head the second I heard it. And yeah. I haven't seen the movie in, like, eight years. Dude, yeah. I, I gotta rewatch the movie, too. I really want to. But shall we talk about Django Unchained? <laughs> When I talked about film scores, I was like, gotta bring this one in. Because when it comes, like... Banker. Because Quentin Tarantino is just, like, the king. Uh, and besides maybe Martin Scorsese, is the king of the, the soundtrack. Uh, not the score. Because, like, the previous two were scores. This is a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's score to it. Like, the, Euro, the, the Morricone stuff is, like, score. Yeah, but it's a hybrid. It's yeah, a hybrid. it's certainly a hybrid. Exactly. And... I just think, like, the the off the wall, like, Quentin Tarantino choosing some modern music for the first time, like, it it, it does a whole lot to evocate the Old West, right? Uh, So I brought in Django, which was the title title track, which just goes so hard. And once again, like, I don't know if if you guys know this, but uh, Jasper probably does. Uh, But the Django movies are a reference to a series yes. of westerns made in Italy in the 1960s. Uh, do you guys... Uh, the scene where Django's at the bar during the fights, and he's, like, talking to the old, the old guy, and he's like, he's like, oh, do you know how to spell your name? And it has, like, the D is silent line. The D is silent, yeah. Yeah. That, the guy he's t- spelling his name to is the original Django. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's why when he says like the D is silent, he says I know, like uh, I know. And yeah. then this song was for his movies, The Spaniard. Yeah, the Spaniard. It was the, yeah. the character. Yeah. yeah. So I I just think like it immediately sets up like this weird like spaghetti western version of the West, which is <laughs> this doesn't even take place in the West. This takes place in the Deep South. Uh, it takes place in both because the whole winter montage they go out west, they go to Colorado. Do they? I have no idea. I yeah, because it's that, like I just it starts that, in the south. It starts it in Texas. Yeah. It starts in Texas because mm. that's where Django gets found. They they're in the south a bit. They go out west and they bounty yeah. hunt over the course of the winter, and then they come back and they go to Mississippi. And yeah. in Mississippi is where the rest of the movie takes place. Yeah, yeah. And then you have, it's it's both. I would yeah. say it's like comfortably straddles. Yeah, and then uh, I brought in the Braying Mule, which was part of the score, which I feel like is just. It's immediately put you there. And then of course, this is probably a top five all time song for me, but I got a name by Jim Croce is like a very like typical folk song from like the 1970s, the kind you would hear on easy listening radio. But man, when you see, when you hear this and you, in the movie, it plays with like Django doing his cowboy training. Mm -hmm. It just transcends. It's so good. I'm about to say the impact of the lyrics alone and the message behind everything how yeah. it plays into the, the movie. The lyrics are at a level that like no one will ever get to, in my opinion. Genius Jim, selection. Jim Croce <laughs> is a is a legend. Mm. Uh, huge fan of his, just in general. Um, and then 
this is the closest I decide to get to hip hop. What a combination. What a combination. Never in the world would I wake up and think James Brown and Tupac is in a song. <laughs> it works, though. For a cowboy shootout scene. Like, and it hits I'll take so it. hard. It hits so hard. Like, this, an absolutely genius combination. The second yeah. I hear, like, that, uh, like the guitar, like the like the Western guitar, and then cut to the Tupac. Yeah. It's like, yeah. where are my guns? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> press R3, activate Deadeye. Like, <laughs> like, man. But yeah, no, it's just like, you know, you can do interesting things with a soundtrack. You can bring in Jim Croce. You can bring in Django. A song I didn't select but wanted to was 100 Black Coffins by Rick Ross. You know, just Banger. a straight-up Rick Ross song. Like, on this Django and Dane Chain soundtrack. Right? And, look, this movie is easily a classic. Uh, I think the soundtrack's a classic. I think this is easily in Tarantino's top three. You know? I, I don't know what no, else to say. This is a great selection, honestly. It, it hits in everything you're looking for. Great movie, great yeah. director, great soundtrack. Yeah. Great artists in the soundtrack. <laughs> like, but do you know say... what the soundtrack doesn't have? A song by Jamie Foxx, ironically. Yeah. I'm looking on Spotify. He's at least mentioned on the songs. That's an excerpt from the movie. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. I like the way you die, boy, credit is from that. Um, This is a a, a soundtrack album that I'm like, also deeply familiar with, probably to the same level as Tron Legacy. And I found myself when these came on the other day when I was listening, I just sang along with everything. I was yeah. just like, this is it. Like, I missed this shit. <laughs> so I went so, and added it back to my Django favorites. In a while, but... Dude, I'm going to rewatch Django tomorrow. Like, <laughs> yeah. Man. I'm going to murder my slave owners. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you guys a funny story about the first time I saw this movie real quick? Go ahead. <laughs> What's up? So I saw this movie the day it came out. Christmas Day, 2012. Me too. I being relate. being your friendly neighborhood Jewish man, uh, that's what you did on Christmas. You didn't do anything with family. You went to the movies. Yeah. And I was in Belleville, Illinois, visiting my dad's family with my parents and my brother. And my dad and I went to go see this because we were super hyped, like Tarantino. And we went. And we went to I think the O'Fallon, which is another town in Illinois, uh, theater. And we, we went in for a late show. It was like the 9.30 or 10 o'clock show because everything else had been sold out. We were the only white people there. And it was amazing. Yeah. The, yep. most, <laughs> the most excited, animated fucking audience. <laughs> Cheers for everything. Yeah. Gasps, intense. It was just like a really fun, like super cool experience. I was just like, damn, like... They know how to turn out on Christmas fucking Eve or on Christmas Day to like watch this movie. This is fire. Yeah, I yeah for sure. I saw one of my it, favorite theater experiences. I saw it at t- like 10 p.m. on Christmas Day. Because yeah. like I'm Latino, so like we do all of the Christmas stuff on Christmas Eve. The day before, yeah, right, yeah, right. And then like we did Christmas morning, but like we were but done. The rest of the days, like, we were done day. with family stuff by like two. You yeah. Know? So, like, me and my friends, we went to the movie theater in Melrose Park right across the street from the Blue Store. And that was an interactive experience. An experience. <laughs> but, no, it's just one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
guys this is in my top this is my top five yeah 100 sure. guys this was the blitz jesus this christ blitz. this was a blitz We've made it. Low-key, when we said nine albums each, I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. this is going to be a mission. I have a, I have a, I have a question. Do we want to put, like, no, Song Rex? No, no recommendations. Yeah, no. Let's, do, let's put Song Rex on ice, seeing as we just recommended 27 albums. Like, <laughs> like, like... You'll be fine. Like, <laughs> find a song. <laughs> find a song. Like... <laughs> It's like, yeah, uh, my recommendation for this week is to click the links to the yeah, Spotify playlist in the description that's of this it. podcast. So, like, it's been, Jesus Christ, we're at three hours and 45 minutes. This was I'm done. This Fuck was this. longer than The Avengers. <laughs> but Probably better, honestly, too, at this rate. It's just longer than Avatar? <laughs> this is longer than Avatar, and that one might be better. I saw Way of Water. That's, that's, that's more accurate. I yeah. saw Way of Water. I'm a big defender of those movies, but... Good, I haven't seen great. the second one. I want to. I, 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 I like it a lot. Like I'm 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 very into like the deep sci-fi fantasy world building, and it is just the best you will ever see in a movie. But like the story is like fine, and like it's a little racist. Yeah, like so. guys, we're gonna see just you next week. A little, a little bit. Uh, we'll figure out what next week is gonna be. I don't know. Kevin Durant's getting traded to the Suns. Cool. Okay, time for basketball talk. We got to get to the other podcast. We'll see you guys. <laughs> We're out. <laughs>